Welcome to another edition of the Dogger Pass Podcast. This for UFC 254, Habib versus Gaethje for the lightweight championship of the world. I'm obviously Paul Shaughnessy, Habib fan super or Habib super fan, joined in studio by the man, the myth, the legend, Cody Saftik. How's it going, buddy? Paul, you more look like a Super Saiyan fan with that. I lost my shirt, though. That was a great shirt. Yeah, so I, I would have a little cut in. out of Justin Gaethje's right, face. Right, of course. As you guys for know. For the bear that he was mauling. What a, what a fucking if shirt. I don't if know you've where watched I the show for a long time, Paul has a notorious shirt, uh, Habib mauling Tony Ferguson. And yeah, he's been known to just cut out somebody's face and put it on. And as soon as I walked in, I was like, where the hell's your shirt? And he's like, I must have gone on a drunken escapade at some point this week, this summer, and uh, yeah. lost it. And you know what? Where I'd normally laugh, all my best shirts can't fucking find them. It, it just happens. It just happens. Well, Along they, the line, you your lose best them. shirts end up in the in the places. Yeah, I think about know, them all the time. Like fuck, where's their deepest, no, most gone. lost memories? That's where your best shirts are. Gone. Yeah. Well, um, making new memories. Making new memories. Should we just get into the action here? Yeah, I don't think we got much housekeeping from last week. You did want to give me shit about Matus Gamrod. I thought he won, but whatever. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't wasn't a good play. I wasn't That's impressed what was well, the kind of kind of missed shit. the. Missed but we the, talked about he never looks to fade him because never looks great. I mean, but. now any sort of fight that he enters, he's not going to be a minus three hundred favorite. I just think Kutataladze perfect. Perfect training partner, basically, in Kumayev to get him ready for a guy like that. And, uh, and yeah, as he just he never really quit. When he get taken down, he's just fighting, fighting, fighting. He did get taken down. He was controlled a little bit. It was a close bit. fight. If I would have got, that, if I got that split, it changes everything. If I get that split and I get the malarkey fight, like, we're laughing on the show, unfortunately. There was a lot bounced. of malarkey on that decision. Yeah, how we're going to segue that now into here is uh, as soon as it went to decision, I knew I was fucked. I knew I was fucked because this guy was touted all week as Chimaev's boy. And now they are just... Chemayev all over the broadcast, baby. He's sitting, he's getting camera time, he's backstage working with John Phillips. Not that that made a difference. I mean, he, yeah. He's yelling ringside. The second went to the scorecards, I was like, they're, they're, they're not fucking Chemayev's boy. There's just going to be an outrage. And that segues into Gaethje needs to keep up this uh, finish rate of his because if he goes to decision with Habib in a relatively close fight, I don't think they're giving it to Gaethje. Habib, the Eagle, Nurmagomedov, minus 335 favorite. Justin Gaethje can be had for plus 275. Here, I'll, t- I'll take my fan hat off for a second, okay? I'll lay, the, I'll lay the landscape here. Justin Gaethje with Trevor Whitman probably is going to have the best game plan, best strategy, a former collegiate wrestler, Never really wrestles, but he nobody Can really nobody wrestle. ever really yeah. tries to take him down, at least in the UFC, because maybe they think that they can't do it. Um, I mean, against Tony Ferguson, best he's ever looked, and all of that. The guy hits like a ton of bricks. That is his out to win this fight. Um, I I think Trevor Whitman will have the best strategy possible to beat the goat, but. Man, I watched I watched Ferguson versus Gaethje simultaneously. Wow! With Habib, that's what I, that's kind of how I've been doing tape recently. Is I like having it's them on the same bizarre. having them on the same screen. You kind of see how one guy moves if there's any holes. Like it seems for me, obviously different styles. Guys are going to fight a little bit differently, but that's 
it's kind of like you still you're seeing them on the same screen, so yeah. it kind of works with my brain. Little Cody can't multitask. That's kind of I where I was brain. at. I should have trusted my own judgment, but on, on Kutataladze is like that's where I was watching Gamrot and Kutataladze fights at the same time on the same screen. I was just like, this is a man. You didn't pursue the takedowns enough either. That fight pisses me off, Gamrot. Yeah. Fuck. We, I know we have to move. So on, Whitman will have son of a bitch the best plan possible. They're doing, but everyone has always known Cody. What you got? You got to you got, you got to stop the talk. Takedown. Justin Gaethje has said for all of the like for this whole lead up, he's saying all the perfect things. Is you know the cage is hot, fu- like, like hot lava or hot fire. Like I can't get pushed up against the cage if I do. And then he grabs he grabs that grip, and nobody gets out of the Habib grip there. Um, but yeah, watching them both on the same screen at the same time. I mean, it was Gagey's best performance, but there's, like, a lot of, like, big looping shots. His feet are off-center. He stumbles in a couple spots trying to land, uh, like, leg kicks. You make any of those mistakes against Habib, you're going on the ground. Yeah. And you watch that Habib fight. The fan hat's going back on. Oh, it's back on now. I want to talk to non-fanboy Paul for just, like, two seconds, but that's fine. Hats back uh, on. Hats back you on. watch Habib versus... That was his perfect performance. Besides, what, a 30-second window in round two where Poirier literally is just going for broke. Literally just going for broke. Swinging at, at the air. Lands a couple good ones. Habib not phased by it. Round three, obviously, he goes for the guillotine. Yeah. The escape from that guillotine. Oh, my lord. Like he was, he was never phased. His dad was in attendance. This is his dad's tribute fight. He's not losing this fucking fight. Yeah. He's not gonna lose. Okay, okay. It's, 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 a, it's a puncher's Fair. chance. Fair. Right now, it's minus three thirty-five. I think best case scenario, and I, you know, watching Habib's interviews and stuff this week, stone-blooded killer. The guy seems focused. He's not letting Gaethje's fight uh, get out of like get out of his head. He's not overthinking things here. Um, you know, he is looking forward to trying to get a George St. Pierre fight, of course. I think, honestly, the, the division's washed out um, if he gets through this fight. And, uh, yeah, sign him up for, sign me up for, for George versus Habib. Maybe at a catch weight. I don't know. He's talking about two, well, 155. I don't know if George could be bothered to fucking come down at this point. But, yeah, man, if Habib shows up like he did against Poirier, there ain't a soul at 155. And there's likely, I mean, you know, uh, matchups against like Covington and Usman could be problematic against bigger guys using that type of style. But there's not a soul who can stop that. Yeah, okay. So to counter it, I just don't... Do you want my, ha- my, my fan hat on or off? The only question I had for non-fanboy Paul, okay. right, real quick, is no, no hat on. What would you line this this pri- this fight at? Honestly, like... Like with, 335 with any sort is of fair? You'd line doubt, it the same? I, I mean, 80% would be a minus 400. So I think 80% is being generous to Gaethje. Eight, I love Gaethje. Yeah. Listen, sure. Gaethje, like, sure. hardworking guy. And, like, the most exciting fighter in maybe UFC history. The guy, like, everyone turns up for Gaethje's fight. Super respectful, tough, keeps learning, has, like, a, you know, a never-quit, never-say-die kind of attitude. But 
the shots that the, the shots to for those takedowns against Poirier, it's just like, oh my god, how do you stop that? Yeah, okay, I get that. So one, Dustin Poirier can wrestle, but is not a wrestler, right? He's not a guy that wrestled collegiately, not a guy that wrestled in high school. He's a tough kid from Louisiana, comes to American Top Team, learns to wrestle, can wrestle, but not a wrestler. Guy wants to box you up, staying standing, no problem. The thing I noticed about that Poirier fight is Poirier talks himself into a world title fight. He's finally here. It's his big moment, and it's almost as if mentally he crumbles a little bit. The first two rounds, he doesn't look himself. He doesn't let his hands go. He doesn't really do anything. He just allows himself to get mauled. His very next fight against Dan Hooker, fuck what you know when he does the exact same thing. He goes down two rounds. He looks tired. He's swinging at air. He looks awful, but he works his way back into that fight. Habib never gave him the opportunity to work his way back into it. He submitted it. That's fine. But Dustin Poirier wasn't really that guy that was going to keep the fight standing and really show us how good Habib is in a strictly stand affair. Just wasn't that guy. Prior to that, he gets Conor McGregor. Well, wouldn't you know it? Conor McGregor, not a wrestler. Before that, he gets Ally Quinta. Ally Quinta, not a wrestler, right? Can wrestle, but he's a technical boxer with a BJJ black belt. Not a wrestler. Before that, he gets Edson Barbosa, Michael Johnson, Daryl Horcher, Rafael Dos Anjos. Well, Michael Johnson. Michael finally, Johnson. I remember when oh, they... Oh, fuck off. Michael Johnson's not a wrestler, man. I mean, people, people were saying that <laughs> yeah, people were in saying the lead that. up. Chin checked him, but that, but you need to be able to keep the fight standing and chin check him multiple times. The last time he fought a wrestler is Pat Healy. It's 2013. It's seven years ago. Pat Healy's got wrestling chops, certainly not on Habib's level, and just doesn't have the, the, the striking to back it up. So at least, at the very least, here you have Justin Gaethje. You don't see the wrestling on tape. You don't see it in the octagon because, yeah, he doesn't really wrestle all that much. But here's a guy that started wrestling at four years old. Here's a guy that was a standout high school wrestler, two-time state champion, wrestled collegiately at a D1 program, did good, competed his entire life. Why doesn't he wrestle? Because he's worried that it'll drain his gas tank. He knows what the fans want. No, I think it's because he knows he can't can't wrestle for five rounds. No, probably not. But but can he counter-wrestle in spots for five rounds is the real question because he's not going out there trying to take Habib down. It's a lot more tiresome trying to take a guy down than it is trying to just keep the fight standing and back away. I think at least Habib should struggle a little more getting Justin Gaethje down than he has to these other guys. Fair. Now you talk about game planning, right? Justin Gaethje goes out on record coming into the Tony Ferguson fight, a fight that he takes on, what, a week's notice? Comes into that, and he's just like, oof, I'm not in very good shape. I'm going to have to knock this guy out quick. One or two rounds or I'm tired. That's what leads to a lot of guys to take Tony Ferguson. This guy, don't stop, great chin, going to be there after three, four, and five, and has a great gas tank. He's just going to pour it on Gaethje. And Gaethje, week's notice, no training camp. Doesn't look tired once. Yeah, maybe like you're saying in some spots he's looking a little sloppy and the lucky. Fucking took the fight on a week's notice against El Kakui Tony Ferguson. Like, goddamn it. Now he's got an extended camp against Habib where he knows exactly the guy he's fighting. He's going to be much more prepared. As far as cardio goes, Habib never slows down. Never does. Gaethje, at least he's got some cardio, not on Habib's level, but comparable, right? Might be able to hang. The wrestling, Habib's got a huge wrestling match, no doubt about it. But Gaethje can wrestle, right? At least he should be able to, in some spots, stuff a few takedowns to keep this fight standing. And when it is standing, when it is standing, I'm not so much leaning to puncher's chance, puncher's chance, he's got to line him up with that right hand. See, I'm going to, how do you beat a Russian, right? How do you beat a tough Russian? Well, for the last 15, 20 years, Paul, unless they fix it, you got to hit him with a triangle choke. That was just the move because it's a, it's a Hail Mary move off your back. You got to throw up that triangle choke. Because there's so many good examples of Russians he submitted from the triangle choke. The, at and least, Goliath, who we'll talk about later. Yeah, yeah, of course. We'll talk about him later. That was a, at least one thing Tony Ferguson had that maybe with his grappling, he could throw up a submission. Gaethje doesn't have that. But the game's evolving. Like everything, things change, things evolve. What's the new way to beat them? I'm telling you, this is what I'm seeing. And I think Trevor Whitman and others are seeing the same thing it's the low calf kick. 
You have to attack with the low calf kick. The regular leg kick always gets caught by the wrestler. If you're just going to go out there and throw kicks, he's eventually going to catch one, throw you to the ground. That's always been the, the, you know, the story behind leg kicks. You go to that calf kick. What it's going to do, it's going to slow down Khabib. It's going to demobilize him. And then it's going to be harder for him to shoot on those takedowns. Justin Gaethje's got nasty leg kicks, really nasty leg kicks. But he's going to focus on the calf. You focus on the calf early, even if you, you are going to take down. You throw a leg kick, you're open, you're susceptible to the takedown. To the thigh. You go to the thigh. You go to the calf. It's way harder to catch. You've got to lean all the way down. Now you're leaning all the way down. He's going to line you up with one of those big hooks, right? Yes, Khabib can strike. We've seen in the McGregor fight, he's making a lot of improvements. Against Poirier, he stayed out. He stayed out of trouble. With the and then he I looked for the perfect spot. He found the takedown. Poirier went into that fight a defeated man. I know it's crazy because he's a well. After round one, he goes, there's not, enough, "There's not a lot of space out there." After round two, he's like, "I can't get him the fuck off of me, man." Something and then round three, him. he goes, he sells out for the submit or for the guillotine choke. Habib if, maneuvers if you, you around me, a couple times. If the you walk up to me on the street, sick. if you walked up to me on the street and tell me this is a 50-50 fight, yeah, I'm taking the legend. I'm taking Habib. When you tell me it's a three minus three thirty price tag, I just I see a lot of variables in that. I like. Right, so he presents a tougher task than the rest of those guys he's fought because of the wrestling, because of the kicks, because of the That's better That's what striking, I was thinking until cardio, I watched the tape last night. And because night. of the durability. Uh, it's cra- and you know what? I mean, if I'm on the guy's wiki page the other day, and it, it, all, it all makes sense. Uh, Justin Ray Gaethje. Justin Ray Gaethje, born in Sanford, Arizona. His mother, Carolina is of Mexican descent. Ooh, Justin Gaethje. That's why he can take a hell of a punch, man. Like... Cast iron chin. The guys that have knocked him out, Eddie Alvarez, it was a dog fight. He caught him with a knee late. And Dustin Poirier. If you want to talk MMA math, oh, I'm not, Dustin Poirier. I'm not, I'm not thinking be, MMA Dustin. math. No, no. But, but, but those guys got the gun power to go, you know, tit for tat with him, take his best shots, give, give it back. And, and, and you can seriously argue that he took something out of Eddie Alvarez and he took something out of Dustin Poirier. But he himself, he's still young. He's still the highlight kid. He's still getting better and if better. If they fought 10 times, Cody, how many times does Gaethje win? Uh, I don't know. I think more than two. You said two. I'd, I'd say. So that would be my, minus 400 would be, if you're I'm talking value, really plus tempted. 275 means that he would win like. Well, this is what I mentioned to what, you. Like this is what I mentioned to you. I don't know. I don't have a calculator in front of me, but like uh, mid 70% or Khabib would win 70% of the time. This is what I mentioned number. to you earlier is that you put Khabib on your parlays, right? Because it's the last fight of the night. If your parlays get to the main event unscathed. No, Unscathed, you then it's an, e- it's an easy hedge out on Justin nah, Gaethje. I think he's the kind of guy you hedge out on. And, and one last point I want to bring up, right? You said he's super motivated. You know, this is his father's tribute fight. That all might be possible. It might be possible. But, but the flip side to that is the other guys we've seen from the camp, whether it be Tagir Ulubakov, mm-hmm. Ulubakov, sorry, didn't look particularly great. Uh, we saw Tahugov, didn't particularly great. Saeed looked sick. But it was really fast. We're you know, ready, like, brother. <laughs> it was fucking awesome. Like two minutes into the fight, right? So I, I don't know. Is he is he gonna go three, four, five really, really hard? One he's thing been, I want. He's been in camp for like three months. He has, but it's just I I don't know. I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about it because we got to get down. But I just one thing I I, I want to mention. We can totally move away. Is Walt Harris right? Walt Harris comes into the fight with Overeem as motivated as you could get. Right here's his tribute fight. If you see his physicality now, his shape now, and you see him there, he's like thirty pounds over shape out of shape fighting well why wasn't he super motivated shit happened in his life you could be motivated but it's like hard to really dial it in so with Habib maybe he is dialed in maybe he's so cast iron sturdy Russian 
and listen, look at his record. He, he is like the most he more, cast more than iron, sturdy is. Russian in the history of. He, he more than sports. likely is. Yes, he more than likely is. But you can't. You don't know how that affects a man, right? You don't know how it, the guidance and how the preparation and how he's not uh, losing his father's tribute fight. I'm telling you. No, no, no. But you know how it is. Like I don't know. We don't know how it is. We're not fighters. But you're between rounds, right? You're down two rounds. He's never been down two rounds. You're in a fight. It's tough. The guy's landing some good shots. You're starting to get tired. Your father gives you a piece of wisdom. Your father motivates you. Your father tells you, son, this is what you got to go do, as opposed to you're sitting there with Islam Makachev telling you what to do. It's still pretty good. <laughs> but it's different, you know? And it's a big, big price tag. And then, and then I was shocked because, listen, we're 7-0 and on Khabib picks. So if I officially go Gaethje... I've never lost a Khabib bet, no. I know. Uh, we started the show in 2014. He had already had four fights in the UFC at that point. But I was shocked to find out this guy debuts in the UFC in 2012. This is his 12th fight in the UFC. Sam Alvey debuted in the UFC in 2014. He's about to have 19. Mm-hmm. How does that happen? Khabib doesn't really fight all that often. There's a mystique. There's an aura. He's a badass. When he shows up to not... work, he, yeah, yeah, yeah. he gets the job done. But is that is that baked into the price? Is he such a fucking badass, nostalgic, Fedor-type figure that you're cooking it into the price? I would be if you're betting Gaethje based he's on... Look, man, the last time we saw the ma- The last time we saw Habib versus Poirier, like, nobody's fucking stopping that guy. If I he's got to show if he doesn't show up like sorry I'm getting so excited I'm throwing my yeah, pen at yeah, you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean I'm wearing a Habib hat, so people are gonna try to take this with a grain. So I fucking mean it though. Um, is there anybody if that, if that guy if the Habib that showed up against Poirier shows up against any lightweight? What if the there, one who showed up stop, against nobody stopping that? What if down. the one who showed up against Ali Quinta shows up? Does he does he kill him eight out of ten times if the version that I mean the guy who showed up in round one and two I'm I'm under the impression that Habib was playing with his food in rounds three and four and then Uh, round five he's just like okay just in case we've got the crazy he was playing with his food he wanted wanted to play with his hands all we've heard from Habib in all of his all of his interviews leading up to this fight is I'm taking this fight to the ground immediately. He knows, he knows what the threat is of Justin Gaethje. I'm sure they've trained together. They're both managed by Ali. They've been together before. They've probably, you know, rest, like uh, played around or, tra- or sparred, not sparred, but like you know, rolled around with each That's other a little bit. That's the key difference, Paul, right? Let's say they meet for a weekend getaway, okay? Yeah. Right? It's feasible that they've wrestled together in that weekend getaway. Gaethje now has knowledge that Khabib might have even showed him, hey, dude, we're friends. We're managed by the same guy. We're spending some time together. Here, here, Here's a couple of moves. This guy does, this is what you do. This counter, right? In those times that you spent together, yeah, he never punched you in the face. He never kicked you in the leg as hard as he could because, because you don't. Not until fight night. Gaethje comes out on fight night. Anyways, listen, it's just such a big price tag. I wanted you to talk me into Habib, but so far I'm hearing a lot of Fedor-type nostalgia, right? I just what are you talking about nostalgia? I was talking Both. about literally his fight against, against Poirier. Poirier. You thought it was a masterpiece? It was a masterpiece. The only spot was round two where he ends up in a little bit of trouble. We are going to openly accept anybody who wants to take like a or go for like a guillotine choke on us i'm worried great get get it to the ground that's where we want it to be the only thing was and yeah he took he took a couple shots as pori is just like chasing him down and just throwing looping shots just trying to be like this is my only way to win and uh and he he landed a good one but habib never really got phased by any of it i think we underestimate how good habib's chin is as well uh, Think about yeah, all the you shots. Seen him get hit, Tony but. Ferguson took a hellacious beating. 
but he was able to maintain. He was able to take him. He didn't. He didn't fall down like the three people in a row that Gaethje iced in the first round. James Vick. I mean, talk about Chinny. Uh, Edson Barbosa. Edson Barbosa is pretty pretty durable over time, but he has been he has been sparked. Um, you know, like, I, think, been, I think yeah, of like Cowboy of Cerrone throwing jab. a jab on him, dropping him, and then cleaning him up. With and that the, was when his chin was all the way together. Jamie Varner blasted him once upon a time as well. Habib's chin, I think, is super underrated. People try, try to talk themselves into the, Every single time Habib fights, everyone tries to talk themselves into, oh, well, you know, this guy's got power. This guy's got this. Allahum Dallah. We're going to get this. We're going to get this one more time. Could be. And yeah. then it's, then it's uh, hopefully he gets the GSP fight. I mean, I think he should uh, open up his ideas, open up to the concept that GSP can't get down to 155. We've never seen GSP at 155, so why would he come down for one fight? Um, but, yeah, Habib should be a minus 400 favorite here, in my opinion. Last question, then. You got him by decision. You got him inside the distance. See, I... Uh, I was actually talking to my buddy Bo about that because there's like a prop out there plus 400 by unanimous decision. And, you know, we're, we're in uh, Abu Dhabi. The judges are going to be favoring uh, the Gaethje cha- really needs to put a beat on him. Gaethje probably needs For a finish sure. or has to be For so sure. undeniable. But the problem is just like, man, Pori is a tough guy. Like... And the amount of pressure that Habib put on him, like anybody over the course of five rounds, is, is liable to wilt. I know Habib used to be a decision machine before, but now we've started to see that, like, as he's improved himself, people always kind of forget that he's getting better every single time. I don't know if people can take, uh, take that type of defeat. So, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. I looked at the props on it. I didn't like them enough. I saw, like, Habib, like... 11 to 1 round 4, 11 to 1, or in that range. I don't have any numbers in front of me. Do you want to see weigh-ins? Like round 4, round 5. before. Yeah, he looked, he's looked pretty slender in the interviews, I yeah, think. Yeah, no tiramisu. That's always a positive. No tiramisu. Hopefully, I mean, weigh-ins are always a stress factor. Could be some tiramisu between here and weigh-ins. For sure. Um, maybe you got a better price on Habib if, uh, if he struggles with that weigh-in. But, um, so what? Your pick is officially... You know what? I'm gonna take Justin Gaethje, and I and I really? would I, I would say if you gave me plus two seventy five on anybody in elevation fight team, I would take it. It's a five round fight. He's got good cardio. I just don't like. All the right, pricing. let's have a let's make a bet here. I'll shave my upper lip yeah. into a Chechenian style beard. Do you want me to do the same? Habib wins. So yeah, if anybody will throw up a picture right now of the Habib, I'm gonna is... look. Yeah, I can't say I look like a fool because they all rock it and it actually looks gangst. I just am not them. So. Oh, yeah, we don't have exactly the body type. That right, have. right. The beard is the uh, the full out beard and you kind of shave the mustache. It kind of looks ridiculous, but so it's beard for beard. Is that what we're doing? Uh, what are you going to shave it into if Gaethje wins? Well, do you want me to shave it into something else or do you want me to have a beard? So we both end up with one. If Khabib wins, I got to get it. If Khabib loses, you yeah, you only have to do it for like next week's show, and then yeah, of course, then then you can have your facial hair back. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. (laughs) All right, yeah, I'm in. Habib for Habib. I mean, you got a three thirty five favorite, but I'll take it. Sure. Game on. All right. I think we talked about that one for a long time, but I had fun with it. Uh, let's move on. We got Jared Cannonier taking on Robert the Reaper Whitaker. Jared Cannonier minus 115 favorite. Whitaker p- minus 105. Basically a straight pick. I'm where are you leaning here? Yeah, so I'm kind of leaning towards Jared Cannonier, to be honest. Like, it's so 
with Whitaker, again, only 29 years old, and it's similar to the Dustin Poirier situation. Here's a guy that's obviously super motivated. Here's a guy that obviously wants it. It's just, it's not like his body's reacting the way it used to back in his prime. Uh, he's taken a lot of damage in the fights, but he's taken a lot of damage outside of the fights. He's had that nasty staph infection, almost cost him his life. He's had a bunch of surgeries. He's had to come back from this and that. I just don't know that Robert Whitaker's the best version of himself. So you look back at even his title reign, right? Those Yo Romero fights are just absolutely legendary, but both of them take an absolute toll on his body. They're very arguable that he loses the second Yo fight. Well, I would actually say I think he lost the second Yo fight. And then the Adesanya fight, he's just a slower version of himself. He's not nearly as competitive. Adesanya is next level talent, especially if you're going to keep this fight striking. But what I found very note, what I found very uh, a good takeaway from that fight, let's say is that Robert Whitaker is a guy that knows how to wrestle. Robert Whitaker is a guy that, technically speaking, qualified for the Team Australia and the Commonwealth team. The guy knows how to wrestle, yet he's very reluctant to use his wrestling. Mm -hmm. Against Adesanya, there's no point to prove, man. Take him down. Mm -hmm. Don't try to stand with him. Doesn't care to take him down, and he pays the ultimate price. He gets KO'd. It's a bad knockout. It adds to the mileage. It adds to the wear and tear. Now he gets Darren Till, and I am so pro-Robert Whitaker in this fight. He let it roll on Robert Whitaker. That's where the Shophorn factor comes in. He looks real Shophorn in the Darren Till fight. He's a lot slower than he used to be. He doesn't throw nearly as much because when you throw 100 significant strikes, your opponent always lands 40, 50, 60 back. If you land 30 significant strikes, he might only land 15, right? And once you start taking those shots, as he did against Romero, as he did against Adesanya, he doesn't seem super happy-go-lucky with letting his hands fly anymore. He's not throwing combinations. He's not throwing a ton of volume. The fight with Till, even though he pulls through, gets the victory for me, very, very happy. He did not look good. Now Till is a one-shot-at-a-time kind of guy, has a lot of power, is very accurate. But one has to wonder, maybe Till could have done a little bit more and defeated Whitaker. And then where does Whitaker stand within the division? Mm, Whitaker, it was uh, clenching... We were clenching a little bit worried in round one there where Robert he got, got, dropped. Uh, yeah. he got dropped. He looked pretty woozy. In the second round, he doesn't look good. He loses the second round as well. He wins three, four, and five, I believe. And Till, again, Till just stops throwing anything. So it's crazy because I'm an ageist. You know that. But mm-hmm. we got 29-year-old Robert Whitaker here. We're talking about his maybe shop horn versus 36-year-old Jerry Cannonier, who just looks so good, man. Uh, he, fights at two, uh, he fights at heavyweight, right? Loses to Sean Jordan. Sean Jordan is the most athletic 265-pound man you've ever seen, right? I mean, he won a national title for Louisiana State once upon a time. He's got KO wins over guys like Derek Lewis with a head kick. Uh, I think he's finished something like 97% of his 20 pro wins or his 19 pro wins. What the fuck, dude? Sean Jordan's a heavyweight. No big deal. His losses beyond that, at 205, Glover Teixeira, former title challenger, Jan Blockwitz, current world champion, Dominic Reyes, two-time world title challenger. Those guys are all at 205. Damn. The drop down to 185 for him has just been shit, man. David Branch fight, I mean, eh, Branch didn't f- fare well in the UFC, but is a good fighter. Uh, he just smokes him out. It's not competitive. Looks good, for, good version of himself. It's more so what he looks on at the scales. It looks even better. Like, he is so shredded. Like, the, the Anderson Silva fight, it's like, uh, he's paying a little respect to Anderson. He doesn't do it a whole lot. As people do. And the leg kick just butchers Anderson, can't even get around him. People are saying it's cheapy-cheapy, he was kicking Anderson's leg. Like, fuck off, man. It's a fist fight, like, <laughs> realistically. And then the Jack Hermanson fight, it's like, it's a good indicator of, like, you don't want to stand with this guy any longer than you have to. You can try to take him down, but he knows how to wrestle, and he's got a good get-up game, and he's so strong, he's got that explosiveness, he can get up. What you need to do is take this guy into deeper waters, right? Only This is only three rounds. So if you put Whitaker and Till in a three-round fight, what happens? Till actually wins the fight 29-28. In five rounds, Whitaker's got that back-savvy veteranship, former world champion, good cardio. cardio, Cannoneer is built so thick. 
I, I don't imagine he carries that through to 4-5, but there's no 4-5 here. So Jared Canyon's got a good chance of at least going out there, winning the first couple rounds. Whitaker's a slow starter as well, because he's used to fighting in five-round fights. He doesn't exactly get going quick enough. You don't want to be taken off a round or two against Jared Canyon. He's just throwing heat. And I don't think there's a judge bias here towards one of the other, like... Uh, what what's that shit that Cannoneer always fucks with those crystals? Pyru, I don't know, man. He's, he's a definitely an interesting Pyru. spirit for sure. Pyru, but Pyru, I don't bitch. know. He believes in it. He and, believes in himself, and that is a and, very and underrated that, tool. Man. And yeah, you watch him on like the embedded yeah, stuff yeah, this yeah, week, yeah, and yeah, just like legit. he's into some wacky shit. He seems like a really really nice dude. Um, but he's into some wacky shit. But like the guy is. The, it all transfers into self-belief. And yeah. the only tragedy in this guy's career is that it took him until he's 35 years old to figure out that he's, like, a dominant middleweight. And he spent and he spent the first 30 years in Alaska, mm-hmm. you know? He only went to uh, Arizona to go to the MMA lab, like, the last four or five years, and you see those improvements. Good leg kick, good all that. So it comes right back down to that. I think his cardio's good. Against Hermanson. Well, he needs two rounds. We need two rounds. Against, against Hermanson, I mean, Hermanson comes out, he's he's going for those takedowns. He's a top five guy. He gets taken down, but he's got the wizard. He's, like, he's push, pulling himself back up. He has all of the proper defenses against it. Agree, He's man. such a strong guy. I think it's going to be hard for Whitaker, who's a former a former welterweight, let's not forget, taking on a former heavyweight. He wasn't really a heavyweight, but he would be a reasonable. Jared Cannonier would be a reasonable light heavyweight at 185. The guy's just short. Yeah. If you walk just into- jacked, I think there's just too much too much strength disadvantage here. I don't. We have seen Whitaker's wrestling, and he, you know, Australian national team like trains with them or whatever. He just doesn't wrestle enough, and that's how he's going to beat Cannonier. And it's if you the don't only do way, it, I think if you don't, do I mean, it. he could knock him out, I guess. But I, I don't know. Maybe at one eighty five, the uh, the power may not phase him at this. Yeah, the biggest tragedy is like yeah, looking at his at his the fact that he's thirty six years old, just like. Man, you should. If you were doing this ten years ago, who knows where this guy's career could have gone? Um, I'm with you, man. I like Jared Cannonier here. Wow, we're rolling on Cannonier. Okay. Yeah, I like and, it. And yeah, I've always pretty much like Whitaker. I think this is like maybe the first time uh, I've ever like dude, faded him. To be perfectly I'm honest, I'm a Whitaker guy. But the, it was such a sweat against Till, and there was just so many. Didn't look like the same guy. 29, you're supposed to get better. 30, you're getting better. 31, you're getting better. Canyon, you're getting better. 36. Mm-hmm. But when you're in those wars with Yoel, Yoel changed Yoel, Yoel changed him. It's now, like, I think maybe It's Whitaker, like you got the win, but he got your soul. Like, I think is it a fair trade-off? Because he soul-snatched his ass. Whitaker, like, watching, like, the, the countdown show and stuff, he was talking about how he's in a bit of a rut, probably from, like, concussive damage. Who knows? Um... But I think he was a little bit depressed and stuff, and he said he felt better for the till fight, and he feels even better now. So, like, you know, that can maybe help him have a little bit this more other confidence. Guy, this other but guy like, thinks crystals if you have any him <laughs> unchanded powers, man. Like, what are you talking about? Self-belief? Whitaker's in trouble. Exactly. It's uh, This is the wrong guy to uh, have any <laughs> sort of self, uh, self-belief self or self-doubt. Uh, self-doubt is the word I was looking for uh, against. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I think uh, Cannoneer is super dangerous, and... Uh, I mean, I think Izzy probably pieces him up on the feet just by staying Fast, at distance, lengthy, throwing the leg yeah. kicks uh, if, if we get to there. And this is obviously a number one contender fight. So if Cannoneer wins, that's what we're going to see again. Yeah, I'm with him, man. Um, it's weird, you know, if you told me like 
three years ago when this guy's getting knocked. I mean, he got knocked out or he got finished by, or lost to the best guys at light heavyweight now that John Jones is gone. Fact. Yeah. But if you had told me that he would be a, a, a slight favorite against Robert Whitaker three years ago, I'd call you crazy. But here we are. And, uh, yeah, Jared Cannon, here's the pick. Let's go. All right, uh, next fight down, we got Alexander Volkov taking on Walt Harris. Volkov, uh, minus 185. Harris, plus 160. What's your take here? No, you talk about dangerous guys, Jerry Cannonier. Walt Harris very emulates him in the fact that, geez, he's got the big power. He's got the athleticism. The difference is, is that Cannonier has shown he can carry it through. He can go two, three rounds if need be. Will he get tired? Sure. Walt Harris, that, that explosiveness, that big power, it seemingly just drops off a cliff hard. Is wins in the UFC again, big, big wins, all big knockouts over guys that, yeah, don't, not really hacking up jobs in the UFC currently. Right. Daniel Speets takes him in the second round. That fight, you could see he was getting tired in the fight. But all the same, he gets the knockout with the second left in the second fight. Daniel Speets, the Andre Arlovsky fight is a robbery win that ends up getting overturned to a no contest. No volume against Arlovsky, wasn't letting his hands go. The narrative there was that they're friends. They spent time at an American top team together. He didn't want to let his hands go. I, di- I didn't fully buy the narrative, but that's fine. The Spivak fight, he knocks him out. The Alexei Olenek fight, and that's your boy. There's just such a speed discrepancy. Yeah. He beats him. And then, yeah, man, things, things happen in his life. I, I get it. I, I don't get it, actually. I'll never understand what the man went through. I can never even pretend to understand what the man went through. I don't know that helps you, right? Because, again, you look at Walt Harris. He's 37 years old. If he was going to improve the cardio, would have happened by now? Would have happened through any of these other fights in his career? But the MO on him is you get him out of the first round, his output falls off. He's also he got is. big power. He's also got big power, and he's got big speed. Um, but it, but he doesn't reach too eighty one inches, which is matches the six foot seven Volkov. It does match that big reach of Volkov. Yeah, yeah. But he needs to go out there and take Volkov out in the first round. That's that's 100%. what I would assume because again, he was spending time at American Top Team and the improvements of that second round cardio. It never made a difference. Now, how many people take out uh, Volkov in the first round? Yeah, nobody since Minikov way back in the day in Russia. Derek which Lewis, is like, Derek Lewis is the last one to finish him, which was. I mean, Derek Lewis round three, and Derek Lewis was down considerably with what, like 17 seconds left or something? Yeah, like, there's something like, yeah, ridiculous there's, yeah, like there's that. There's 17 seconds left. No, there's 11 seconds left. But yeah, he goes the distance to Curtis Blades. He's getting up the entire time. He's pushing Blades to his limits. He, he's got 11 seconds left to go against Derek Lewis. Chai Congo, it's a decision. Tony Johnson Jr. is a decision. Both of them had to rely on wrestling. Everybody relies on wrestling. Mm-hmm. Wal Harris doesn't wrestle. Nope. And he doesn't have the cardio to wrestle. Even if he went in there and was like, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to take him down for a change. Could be, could be. Are you going to be able to do that in round two and three? No, no. You're going to get really tired, and then he's going to get even you more up. tired if, if he were to wrestle. See, Volkov's completely different. He doesn't have the big power. What he does is just a, extreme volume. Even mm-hmm. the Fabrizio Verdum fight. It's like, okay, take me down a few times. Work your ass off trying to hold me down, trying to take me down, exert energy, and I'll take you out later. Now, that's a fourth-round stoppage. He's only got three rounds to work with here. Yep. Unfortunately, Fabrizio Verdum has got a few rounds in him, whereas Walt Harris really doesn't. Now, the, uh, the Aenea Blanchard thing, that happens, and then he fights Overeem, and one would expect him to be in career-best shape, but as we talked about earlier, he comes out, he's a little pudgy, a little soft. Now you see pictures of him online. He looks in great shape. He's talking about he's extremely motivated. He's got a full camp. He really wants to go out there and get that victory. That's all good stuff. That's all good. But again, at 37, it's like, where were these improvements earlier on? And not, not at American Top Team anymore, back in Alabama where he's training, right? And I just don't know that he's made. Now, flip side to Volkov, we talked about he's only fighting the best guys. He literally lost to Blades in a fight that Blades is huffing and puffing. Blades took him down 14 times on 25 attempts. 
Ain't that some shit? That's got to be a heavyweight record, right? Most yep. takedown attempts attempted. Walt Harris has never attempted more than three. And that was against Arlovsky, a fight that he arguably lost. And he's only ever scored one in a fight. So if the takedown's off the table, and I think it's off the table, he needs to line up Volkov and knock him out in the first round. And because I don't fully see it happening, I think it's a competitive first round. I think you could live bet Volkov and maybe even get a better price on him after the first I round. I guess like a draw would probably be in play. Because Draws in maybe, play. Maybe Draws he drops him. Maybe Walt Harris drops him in round Kicks one. Has a big, big round one. Doesn't put him away. And then Volkov takes over round two and three. That would be... My biggest concern, but I'm with you. I think Volkov rolls here. Two two moments. You know what? Your your, your theory about the screen side by side. Do this when you go home, right? Yep. Put Curtis Blades versus Volkov on the one screen, and put Alistair Overeem versus Walt Harris on the other screen. Okay. Volkov's taken down 14 times. He's taking on the best wrestler in the division currently, currently because steep or. Uh, Cormier's done. Velasquez is done. He's the best wrestler in the division currently, and he has the best cardio in the division currently. 14 times. At no point is this guy out of it. He works his way back up. He never quits. Mm -hmm. He finds a way out. Walt Harris taken down versus Overeem, and he has absolutely zero answers. Mm -hmm. He can't shuck his hips. He can't move his hands. He flattens out. He's cooked. Waits, waits for the referee to step in, right? And people can say, man, if I was thinking about my stepdaughter, I would have powered up. No, not how the fight game works. It's not always going to be a fairy tale story. I like Wal Harris. I hope Wal Harris goes out there and gets this big moment he's searching for. But I took a dog in Gaethje. I'm taking a dog in Jerry Cannonier. No, I'm he's not, not taking. He's, it's a pick'em. Oh, it's a pick'em. Yeah, no, yeah, slight right, yeah. favorite Cannonier. Yeah, minus 115. That's how the bookie gets you. They do not lose on that fight. Uh, I, I'm not. I can't bet the 160 on Wal Harris just on the one round knockout. Go out there and get this guy. Could it happen? It's MMA. It's heavyweights. He's got big power. Volkov could get caught. Sure. Big tall guy. Sure. But, like, Volkov's a savvy vet himself, man. He's fought the who's who's. He knows how to get into those later rounds, and that's where Walt Harris particularly struggles. So I'm going to go with Alexander Volkov. Phil Haas takes on Jacob Malkoon. Haas, minus 260 favorite. Malkoon, plus 220. Watched a little bit on Malkoon before I, uh, as I was coming in or before I came in here. I wasn't too, too impressed. Phil Haas is obviously a specimen. An absolute tank. But is um, he a fighter? He's a specimen. Yeah, we've seen him, obviously, uh, uh, finished before. Um, uh, where, where's the value at on this line, Cody? Uh, but, yeah, well, see, there's the thing. There's no real value on this because Phil Hawes should be the favorite. But 260 Phil Hawes, you just never want to bet it. He's got a problem with kind of lapsing in these moments. Take in consideration this. Phil Hawes wrestled at Iowa Community College. He's 31 years old. John Jones wrestled at Iowa Community College. He's 31 years old. They, they wrestled in college together. Colby Covington was there at the time. Right from the get-go, Phil Hawes is a good wrestler. Phil Hawes is at Greg Jackson's. Phil Hawes is one of John Jones's chief sparring partners. Going on to the ultimate fighter, this guy openly is like, I take rounds from John Jones in the gym all the time. It's like, God damn, this guy's going to be something nice. And Andrew Sanchez puts a whooping on him. Okay, fair enough. Andrew Sanchez actually won that season. No big deal. Move on from there. World Series of Fighting, Lewis Taylor. Again, he comes in as a big favorite over Lewis Taylor. Well, actually, he was only a minus 180. And Lewis Taylor's got a nasty guillotine on him. He's 40 years old, but you don't want to fuck around with that guillotine. Sure enough, Phil Haas puts himself into the guillotine, choked out. 
and Lewis Taylor ended up winning a million dollars in the PFL tournament. You know, not, not bad competition. But then the Dana White contender series fight against Julian Marquez. Again, you want to believe that this guy's good. He's minus 200 favorite over Julian Marquez, and he doesn't, shoot, he doesn't pursue the takedowns enough. He gets hit. He eventually gets head kicked. He gets folded up by Julian Marquez. Man, what's there to like out of him? He can't really grapple. Grappling's not a strong suit. He can't really strike. Striking is not a strong suit. What about his wrestling, right? Wrestle with John Jones. Wrestle with Colby. Why don't we go to that? He, again, he's built so physically thick and powerful. I don't know that he wants to go out and wrestle for three rounds. He has a significant wrestling advantage over a lot of his competition. Mm-hmm. He just doesn't really go to it. Now, on one hand, he's a prospect. He's green. Even though he's 31, it's kind of old for a prospect, he's still learning. And in the four fights since then, you do see some of that growth. You do see some of that improvement. They mashed him up lightly. They give him finally another contender series fight against uh, Kazmarat Basteyev. Very favorable matchup for Phil Hawes, but he goes out there and gets the win. You want to believe in this guy. It's just, yeah, it's just, there's, at the back of your head, you know, this guy gets put in a compromised situation. I don't know how he's going to react to it. If he gets hit and he gets stunned, he's not going to fight through it because we've seen that. If he gets caught in a bad submission attempt, he's not going to persevere and work his way out of it because we've seen that. As far as working with John Jones, what does that mean these days? That your John Jones is the chief sparring partner? What does that mean? What's going on in Greg Jackson's right now? That gym's in disarray. What's going on with John Jones right now? He's in disarray. There's just a lot of moving parts that, like, I don't know that that is a selling factor for Phil Hawes anymore. Fair. <laughs> Meanwhile, Jacob Malkoon, you know what his selling feature is? Chief sparring partner for Robert Whitaker, and that's why he's on the card. Like, you look at his record. He fights once a year. Fought once in 2017, fought once in 2018, actually fought twice in 2019, and now has effectively taken an entire year off. He has no experience. He's 4-0. He's 4-0. He's a BJJ purple belt. He teaches, uh, he's a, one of the head coaches at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu at the gym. A lot of people say he is good. He's competed for a couple of grappling industry tournaments. You can find that shit online. He also competed for the ADCC Oceana title. Uh, Whitaker also competed there. But beyond that, he's not like a stud grappler. They say he's got wrestling chops. <laughs> not like Phil Hawes, he don't. And as much as you can be like, oh, dude, Whitaker training partner on the same card as Robert Whitaker, going to be in good shape. Whitaker probably gets on the spot on this card. Taking a tough fight. Obviously, he got confidence in himself. Decent grappling, apparently, even though he's only a purple belt. Decent grappling. Could he catch Phil Hawes? But the second you hit the play button on the footage, he does not look good, man. Very herky-jerky with his striking. He's very labored. He's very flat-footed. His wrestling doesn't really seem to be a problem. Maybe his cardio's there, but he'd really have to get Phil Hawes later in the fight. And at that point, just live bet it if you're really worried about yeah. Hawes fading out. But or honestly, cash out. Yeah, cash out. Honestly, he's just such a superior athlete, and I got to feel that those early career setbacks hopefully paved the way for a better version of Phil Hawes. He's been looking a little bit better. But he needs to fight the Jacob Malcoons of the world to keep that progression going. They give him anybody decent, I feel like the, uh, the wheels are falling off. But for right now, he's, he's matched moderately. I think Phil Hawes gets the win, even though he's minus 260. I don't like that. I don't trust that. But I would pick him. We got Lauren Murphy taking on Lilia Shakirova. Uh, Lauren Murphy minus 240 favorite. Uh, Shakirova plus 200. I saw some talk about like Shakirova being like female Habib. And you know me. I've got the fucking hat here. Um, Tisha moves back stands different. Well, no, well, you know me. It's like you say that. I kind of raise yeah, my I mean, eyebrows. I'm like, okay, let's see. Let's see what we see here. I do like her entries into takedowns, her striking. There doesn't seem to be an ounce of power or anything like stinging from it. She's fighting very, very low level of competition in these fights that she's take, uh, she's doing. I just don't see the strength 
And I think that's what this fight comes down to. How about what they're doing at the MMA lab? You know, they're taking their uh, strength and conditioning very, very seriously there. When you look at, like, Laura Murphy, you look at uh, at our boy Jared Cannon. He's here. got great genetics, man. Those tits he's had on him, those pecs, have always been there. Yeah. Heavyweight, middleweight, dome man. He's probably born with them shits. That guy is just... Uh, a physical beast. You go through Laura Murphy's career, and, you know, she's always been underappreciated, undervalued. Um, and I think she's really, really, really improved in the last couple of years. Um, who The only person to take her down in the last few fights was Mar- Mar- Romero Barella, and that was one takedown. Um, you know, Roxanne, people hate on her as well, but she's been able to secure takedowns against people and she had nothing for Laura Murphy was way completely out strength. And that's what I see here in this fight. I think this opened up um, a little bit wider, to be honest. I think Laura Murphy was like close to minus 300 and people, people just have the let's fade Lauren Murphy button, like programmed into their brain. This ain't the spot. I don't think that Lilia is nearly strong enough to, uh, like, the, the technique looks good. The entry into the takedown looks good. But the strength to finish that takedown or at least maintain position, if she does get it to the ground, I don't think it's there. Laura Murphy wins. Yeah, okay. So I, I feel kind of the same way. When I was looking at the tape on Lily. I was like, damn, she's actually got good footwork. She likes to throw spinning attacks, spinning back fists, spinning back kicks, you know, hook kicks, uh, good right hook over the top. Not bad. The entries to the wrestling, on point. Yeah, they are. Doesn't follow through doesn't cut an angle doesn't does not chain wrestle not female Khabib at all no but it's less like she's really fast she's really athletic and then looking at it she's predominantly always fought at 125 there's a few spots where she's fought at like 132 130 but generally 125 i just i worry about like that size of lauren murphy and that grinding ability because when you look at lilia and who she's fought absolutely nobody mm-hmm. when you look at lauren murphy and who she's fought everybody and their mothers man like she is just one of the toughest girls in the division she keeps going you talked about jared canyon you're having this late start oh he's 36 and she's 37 she had a late start man here's a girl who's a single mother struggling in alaska same fucking place ends up in arizona in the mma lab and they've just put the tools together it's like okay what are you good at i'm really tough i could work with that and that's the thing man this take, is a girl that's never gonna out be of the arctic and put them in the desert and they just, they just become machines yeah that's what i'm saying if you put her in a world title fight in the ufc is she going to win no if you no. put her in you know the king of the truck stop and she's taking on <laughs> bang bang betty brown you're <laughs> fucking right she is gonna come through because she's just so goddamn tough yep. and betty brown's tough as well but mm-hmm. i mean come on laura murphy just always finds that way what i'm struggling though is that she's she's not very athletic she's never been very athletic she's very slow and i feel like Lily is going to just be infinitely faster. I don't know that Lily stays to the game plan and stays to the outside because she loves to engage. She loves to come through. She loves to clinch up. That's going to play towards Lauren Murphy. Now, experience all day, Lauren Murphy, whereas Lily is making her UFC debut, has absolutely fought nobody. She shows like split decision wins. If you look at those fights, I thought she won. But again, it, you're, it's low-level competition and you're kind of greasing through them. How are you going to take on Lauren Murphy? Yep. The key difference here is, though, you don't mind betting Lauren Murphy her versus Barb Honchak, that was her, she made it back to the UFC, plus 200 underdog, right? Her versus Senyara Hubanks, plus 170 underdog. Her versus Mara Barella, plus 165 underdog to Barella. She cashed on two of those tickets. Yep. Her versus Andrea Lee, a plus 230 underdog, yeah. where she cashed for you. And then her versus Roxanne Modafferi, 
Minus one twenty five. Like wow. Pick them. Yeah. Wow. But but now they're trying to sell her to you for minus two forty over a girl who's going to be infinitely faster than her and has a couple of variables, some je ne sais quoi, some some question marks that you don't know I about. Just don't see any any sort of. I would like, say pass. I think the moves pass. I fair. don't have enough fair. I don't have enough like faith in Laura Murphy on the two forty to be like she that's definitively fair. goes and defeats this fighter that's got a lot of question marks. Whereas competition, that's a big uh, downer. But she looks fast. She looks athletic. She looks tough. She looks strong. And she's 29, I believe. So she's not by any means some going to get totally lost in the moment because she's a kid. Like, she should be a little more polished and on her way. But anyways, honestly, I think it's more of a crapshoot fight. I'd probably hit a pass on it. We got uh, Magomed Ankalaev taking on Ion Kutalaba. Ankalaev minus 330. Kutalaba plus 260. Obviously, these guys fought before. Maybe one of the worst stoppages as... Kutalaba kind of played the uh, <laughs> played that he was uh, a little bit stunned by one of the strikes that came from Ankalaev. Ref steps in, stops the fight. Rewatched that fight last night though, and I think like I mean, me and you have broken down this fight like three times now. Uh, the rematch of it three times at this point, and uh, with it getting canceled, like Kutalaba's got like. COVID like twice during the last couple of months. I don't know. Yeah, the price on. always stays the same. Pretty much stays the same. We've broken down this fight a whole bunch, so we don't have to break it down all that much. Yeah, Ankalaev is landing the cleaner, straighter, better strikes. Kutalaba's game plan is I'm just gonna wail some like looping shots and hopefully one one hits. That's a 80 percent to twenty percent proposition at best. Uh, any day of the week may not even be because, like, who's really stunned Ankle Live? Nobody. The yeah, only nobody. time he's actually looked bad is he got caught in a triangle ah, choke ah, ah. against Paul Craig yeah. right at the end of the fight. Um, otherwise, the guy looks like cast iron. Um, the striking for him is much more cleaner, much more uh, refined. If I mean, I don't know what Kutalaba's game plan could be to change the course of what that fight was going to become. It was just him throwing... He's throwing haze, and hopefully one of these haymakers lands. Uh, Ankalaev, I've parlayed him already with Volkov. I've parlayed him with Habib. I've parlayed Habib and Volkov. Those are the plays that I'm sitting with right now. I was considering Lauren Murphy, but maybe we have... I was considering it. I hadn't actually placed it. I do think that she wins, I think, on strength alone. But yeah. I understand the speed could be... Could be a problem. Maybe this ends up going to decision, and it just, yeah, she, just it lands, does. she just lands more strikes. So, um, so yeah, that's where my head's at uh, so far on this card. Where's, what's your take on this fight? Yeah, listen, honestly, I don't even want to waste too much time with it because it's always a waste of time. We broke it down on UFC 249, but the card got cut, canceled. We broke it down on 252, and Kudalaba got COVID. We broke it down on UFC Fight Night 8, and Kudalaba again got COVID. <laughs> Double COVID case. Uh, I, I'm just done with it. We picked Ankalaev all three times. We got Ankalaev again here. It was minus 330, I think, all three times. I think the, well, the It the definitely initial, was the last time. The Maybe first, not the time, first time, time they fought, I think it was like minus 200 plus 160 or something like that. The, the first, yeah. So the first time they fight, it's kind of like, oh, this is an interesting because fight. Because we didn't it's, know what it's, it's going to look 210, like. It's minus 210 for Ankalive. Now, the narrative going into the first fight is Ankalive, I wouldn't say a better wrestler. Here's the difference, is that he could do it for 15 minutes, right? He is a good wrestler that can continue this pace. If he doesn't get you down initially, he'll wear on you against the cage and then work you to the ground. His striking, ever improving. Whereas Udon Kudalaba, he's a European Sambo champion, but like, holy shit. By the way, you've never met a Moldovan person who's a weakling. They're all super strong. This guy is super strong. He fits the mold, no doubt about it. But again, he's so wild. He's so reckless. He can't keep that going for more than five minutes. 
Now listen, he's the kind of guy you want in your DKK or your uh, your your DK team. Yeah, if you're playing yeah, 150 sure. lineups, you're gonna have some exposure because if that does clip at you know seventy three hundred dollars, he's, he's gonna score gonna over through, and he's points. probably gonna be pretty low owned, and yeah. it would be a leverage play off of Ankalaev. I don't play 150 lineups, so I'll be playing Ankalaev and not yeah. yeah. And the guy the guy can wrestle, he can strike, he can grapple. The problem is that he relies a lot more on strength than he does on technique, and he has technique. That's the sad part, but he just so much on strength even at the weigh-ins he was painting himself green he comes out fired up he looks like he's juiced to the tits he may have been juiced to the tits at one point I, I, like I, I like him on entertainment value yeah but outside of him landing that big right hand in the first round i, I don't know there's with no game Kaliyev, there. yeah and the the other thing with with uh, magomed and Kaliyev is like he's the 205 gatekeeper really i think nobody talks about him when they talk about the title talks because of the loss to Paul Craig, and because he hasn't really been fighting the highest profile of guys, maybe, but he's only 28 years old. So this time that he's not in the spotlight, only going to benefit him. Mm-hmm. He's just getting better and better. His striking better and better. And again, that was the narrative going into the first fight. Well, the better wrestling, the better cardio, Ankaliyev will probably have to survive the first round, take him into deep waters. What does he do, Paul? He goes out there and beats the shit, for my money's worth, beats the shit out of Kudalaba. He head kicks him three times, is... Kudalaba has heard as the referee thought, no, no, bad stoppage, bad stoppage. Definitely playing possum. But like, did he had had he landed a punch at that point in the fight? Like, no, he was losing. And I don't think that if the ref didn't jump in right there, what was he gonna do? Throw a couple more overhand rights, couple couple more fastballs. It looks like he's throwing a fastball when the guy punches. He's all power all the time. It's not a good move against Ankalaev. Now it's hard to fade Kudalaba because he embodies that power and that finishing ability and that wild man spirit, but You've seen him lose to lesser men than Magomed Ankalaev, and you're going to see him lose to Magomed Ankalaev here. So give me the Russian. Um, I like it, 330. You can't. He, he doesn't mind going to decision. He would gladly take a decision. That's what I like about him. Doesn't rush, doesn't rush them. Take the decision. But Kudalaba doesn't really fight to decisions. He has been to decision, but he's more so, you know, go out on his shield to the death type of play. So I could see Ankalaev actually submitting him down the stretch as well once he gets tired and gets into a compromised position on the ground. Either way, Hank alive, and yeah, he'll end up being parlay material, but we all know we're going to sweat it up until they uh, raise our boys' hands because Kudalaba is a shit-eating wild man. Yeah, it should be fun either way. Yeah. I, think, oh, it'll be I don't fun. think oh, the it'll game be plan's going to change for Ryan Kudalaba all that much because the guy's struggled with his gas over the... Like, he's not going to be able to endure a wrestling clinch fest. He'll be too tired, and Hank alive, I think has the gas to go three rounds. Kutalaba has not shown us over his career if he gets into those types of exchanges. Like, the guy is a Moldovan wrestling champion. He never really wrestles. Why? Because wrestling is exhausting. Mm. And he doesn't have that in his uh, in his tool shed. And, and, and let's say a worst-case scenario, he takes him down, and the guy from the Malarkey fight, the referee, comes over and goes, oh, get up, get up, what you doing, what you doing? And it's just like, oh, my God. Then all of a sudden, Team Russia on the sideline goes, and says, oh, you know what? Stay on the ground. What the fuck was I thinking? <laughs> I thought you were from New Zealand. My bad. Yeah, go ahead. Go I ahead. Mean, this is all coming He's going to get a favorable rub if it goes that far and if it gets into that position. So, yeah, I got Makamed Ekalai. Yeah, Stefan Struve taking on Tai Tuivasa. Straight pick him, basically. Minus 115, minus 105. Where's your head at here? I mean, the general consensus is... It's, is there uh, a general consensus? Tech- Hit me no, with there's the no general con- consensus. There's no consensus, but like the general idea is Tai Tuivasa, when he does land, he lands big. Stefan Struve has had very, very significant durability issues over the years. Struve obviously has the intangibles of being like seven foot, super, super long reach, should be able to keep him at the end of his punches. If Struve, I don't ever like betting on somebody 
uh, who's that tall trying to get wrestling, but like he should have a massive grappling advantage yeah. against Taito Ibasa oh, yeah. here as well. But this is a high variance, low end heavyweight fight. Um, I don't have a hot take either side on this. I'll take who I believe is the better overall fighter in Stefan Struve, but I'm not uh, throwing any cash on it. Yeah, so Tai Tuivasa has just been an absolute train wreck. When you consider everything prior to coming to the UFC from him looked awful. Oof. This guy is very athletic. He played like semi-professional rugby. Big boy, very athletic. You know, Samoan. Likes but himself a shoey. Yeah, he loved. He is the invent. No, he didn't invent it, but I mean, he's kind of who brought it into the mainstream for guys like us. But anyways, Tai Tuivasa regional scene tied does not look good whatsoever. Comes to the UFC, gets Rashad Coulter, Cyril Asker. And then actually beat Andre Arlovsky. But it's just like they had a match pretty easy. You know, he looked pretty good coming to the UFC. He runs up a 3-0 record. What you've seen since then is just, like, abysmal. The Junior DeSantos fight, he looked actually decent in the first round. Gets punched up in the second. Got caught. No problem. Young, developing, going to get better. The Blogoyavano fight, tough fight for a young kid. Tough fight bouncing off a loss. Tough fight in general. But he doesn't let his hands go. He doesn't really do anything. It's a very poor performance from him, and rightfully so, he loses the decision. It's the Sergei Spivak fight, which is now a very big concern. Because, again, Spivak kind of mirrors Stefan Struve in some ways. He's six foot seven and would like to grapple. Stefan Struve's seven feet tall, but would like to grapple in this spot. If he does get the fight to the ground, he's going to kill Tai Tuivasa. But when you look at anything from Tai in his training camp, it's a fucking joke. It's always been a joke, right? Drinking Chewy's back home. They're eating at the barbecue. He's hitting mitts. It's like the Mark Hunt style of training camp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll hit some mitts and like, yeah, when the fight starts, I'll punch this bloke in the mouth and he'll go down. It's yeah. like, well, what's plan B? It's like, there is no plan B. What? Well, well, what do you mean plan B? <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'm gonna punch this bloke in the mouth and he's gonna go down. It's like, well, what if he takes you down? Probably punch him in the mouth and then he'll go down like there's just nothing beyond it right and that's tight and you make whatever you want he knows that he's going to stay under 265 yeah. pounds but so physically he, kinda... he looks soft and when you see him in there he moves like the wind like he's a very mobile heavyweight yes. but he can't he can't carry it beyond the first round because he'd be I mean, the size probably but it just you're you're putting shitty gas in your car you're putting shitty gas in the engine and all of a sudden you run out of gas right he's gone to a American Kickboxing Academy now, right? And he spent a couple months, it was months there. He's not fought in a year since the Spivak fight. He's only 27 years old. That's what he needed. He needed to go to a camp where they were going to tell him, we need to do it. This is how you got to do it. And being in camp with Khabib and being in camp with everybody's motivated and everyone's ready and they're putting together a world-class game plan, this guy's just got to get some of that to rub off on him. And he punches Stefan Struve the fuck out because Stefan Struve, Cannot take the punch. No. Because he's seven feet tall, he stands so straight in the air. And Tai Tuivasa, if he's got anything, he could punch that bloke in the mouth. And that, that's what's going to happen. So You got Tai. I think Tai knocks him out. Now, because Tai's on a three-fight losing streak, and I, I had Junior. I think I took him over Bilgoy and Spivak. So he's been letting me down. Um, I'm, mean, willing, I'm willing. 7,900 as a DraftKings. I'm player. willing to take a shoey bet that's on him. I'm willing to take a shoey bet on him. I don't want to. I don't want to. What wanna, I don't want. <laughs> what I don't want. I don't want to bet a shoey on on, uh, on on Stefan Struve's freaking chin at this point in his career. Right, but the benefit here is that once Habib loses and you've got no hair on your upper He's lip, then the shoey won't get stuck in your mustache, <laughs> Paul. <laughs> Anyways, I got. Yeah, I'm gonna take Tai Tuivasa, and again, it's gonna be a sweat. He's gonna be fucking sweating walking down to the ring too. Uh, 
Waynes could actually be telling because if he's put in a good training camp, you're going to be able to see some improvements, at least physically, if he looks like a big fat slob. Not that telling because he sometimes looks like a big fat slob and then performs, right? He's a big boy. That's how he's built. He's never going to have abs. That's fine. But again, he's young enough and he's athletic enough that he's just got to land the one shot, man. Struvel topple right over. So give me Ty. And then, and then to pursue that, you probably go Ty in, inside the distance, Ty by knockout, and 7900 bucks on DK looks very tempting. Fair. We got uh, Casey Kenny taking on Nathaniel Wood. Casey Kenny minus 190 favored. Nathaniel Wood plus 165. I feel like this is a uh, Casey Kenny fan club around here these days. Making people money, man. People like them. Um, it's hard. I mean, the amount of output that guy threw, the amount Ooh. of kicks, his gas tank is elite level here. And that is the big issue that I've seen with Nathaniel Wood is that he can come out hot. He can come out, um, you know, throwing some crisp strikes and he's got some power behind it. His grappling is decent. But I haven't seen the same type of cardio. And, you know, in this division... Uh, they're fighting a catchway 140, so 140, yeah. that's kind of interesting. Do you do you know what happened there? Uh, why, why? It's just kind of an agreement, like, hey, let's not yeah, cut. Well, We're it around was, the same size, so why It was added to the card fairly late. Casey Kinney fought three weeks ago. Nathaniel Wood didn't have a fight book, and they kind of put it on the card late. When I saw 140, I was like, ooh, that, that favors Nathaniel Wood, being that Casey Kinney fought at 125, right? Is yeah. not a giant 135 by any stretch. Him at 140. Pictures of him online, he looks big. But, come on, he's a little Casey Kinney. But then when you actually look at the size and everything in comparison to Nathaniel Wood, Nathaniel was a smaller man. He's a career bantamweight, yeah, but he's an inch he's shorter. He's never cut down to 125. Yeah, well, okay, when you look at him fight, he looks big. He looks like, geez, this is a big bantamweight. He looked way bigger than Casey Kinney, but, like, actual physical size, when you see them next to each other, it's like, They're not. the same. Yeah, yeah, so. <clears throat> you I don't think know, I'm, a- I, I, I would side with cardio here. Uh, from what I've seen from Casey Kenny, he threw like a thousand kicks in that last <laughs> fight. Um, we've seen him be able to use grappling. Honestly, the guy's super, super talented at all facets of the game. Uh, durability seems to check out. I don't know how you, uh, I don't know how you click on Nathaniel Wood, but people love, people love betting on uh, Nathaniel Wood. Um, like the line is kind of actually came down like i saw i think i saw kenny as a little bit of a bigger favorite and a little bit of action has been moving across the markets on nathaniel wood yeah I i've never been in nathaniel wood yeah. guy case again he's the pick i just think uh i don't know exactly how this fight's gonna look but i think that kenny has an advantage just about in every aspect of the game yeah so it just really comes down to the price tag at 165 nathaniel wood just looks really appealing because he's got a lot of the advantages that casey kinney has he figures to be in a good fight with him the one issue that he has is durability he has a durability issue he doesn't take a punch particularly well in that being that he's a prodigy of brad one punch picket it's it's all offense it's no defense he doesn't particularly move his head off the center line he doesn't really bring his hands back to his chain he doesn't protect himself he puts offense on you and breaks you down That'll only get you so far. Now that you're taking on better guys that hit a lot harder, they're going to expose you. His losses prior to coming to the UFC, kind of in spots where he got chin-checked a little bit. It's when he comes to the UFC, 4-1 record, looking good. The John Dodson fight, he, I thought he won the first two rounds. It, they're close, but I thought he won the first two rounds. The third round, he just eats a flash shot, drops down. John Dodson pounces on him really quick. Maybe it's an only stoppage, maybe it's not. But it brings back to, like, you know what? He is hittable. He gets hit in all these spots. It's whether you've got the power to do something about it. Kenny doesn't have the power. Kinney's knocked out one guy with a knee straight up the middle in the LFA fight two years ago, and then he's got a stoppage loss due to a cut. There was like 
20 seconds left in the fight, and it was a cut stoppage. That's all. So he doesn't have that knockout power. Maybe he doesn't knock out Nathaniel Wood. Then why can't Nathaniel Wood hang with him? Volume's all Casey Kinney. seen his last fight against Haile Alatang. 134 significant strikes landed. Never looks fatigued. Never even breaks a sweat. But flip side to that, at least Wood went out there against John Castellanada and landed the same thing. He landed over 100 significant strikes. Cardio didn't look like an ins- it's an issue. The difference was is that John Castellanada was hitting him. Only hit him 34 times or something. But he was hitting him. The spots were there. Nathaniel Wood was taking on somebody who was just not in his level. Mm-hmm. Whereas Casey Kinney is in his level. So what I've noticed out of Wood is that even though he's a striker, kind of likes to strike, entertaining, he's got a really good uh, submission game. You remember once upon a time, Johnny Eduardo was painting up a masterpiece on him and then... I think Johnny Eduardo bet on Nathaniel Wood by second round submission, so he shot his neck into a Dars choke yeah, inexplicably. I'll, I'll never understand that. I was so upset. He's the Nova Union striking coach, and he's piecing this kid up, and he shoots a takedown. I'll never understand that one. But Nathaniel Wood has a good grappling game, so now you're seeing him want to grapple a lot more. And he's going out in all these spots, and he's trying to wrestle. And that's what's kind of getting him some wins. He can strike enough to set up some wrestling, kind of big for the division, as we talked about, likes to wear on guys. Decent cardio, that's all fine. Those advantages are almost all nullified against Casey Kinney. Yep. Wrestle collegiately, better wrestler, judo black belt, really good at staying on his feet. Yep. If, you, if you do take him down, he gets back up. Ask Marab Devashvili, he took him down 12 times. Casey gets back up. His cardio is awesome. He's Marab one of guys. is such a tank. Yeah, Marab's 35. a different level. Casey's I mean, he outgrappled Ray Borg. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and it was a debut on short notice against a former title challenger. And you just see what this guy does. He's a world champion at 125 pounds and 135 pounds uh, for uh, LFA. And yeah, you can look at him losing on contender series against Adam Antolin. Listen, that's a journey of a young fighter. Now he's 15-2-1. He's improving every time out. Yep. Just fought three weeks ago. It was a little bit worrisome because try kicking anything in this world 150 times. Yeah. Tell me your foot don't hurt. His a legs got to be sore. It would have to be. But no, no. He was very eager to sign up for this fight. Very happy to go to it. And I honestly do think that he's just going to land a little bit more than Wood. His punches are going to do a little more damage than Wood. It's, it's appealing for the judges where Wood hits Casey Keeney. And Casey Keeney just rolls with him. Man. He's got a really good chin on him. Casey Keeney lands on Wood. And Casey Keeney's not a power puncher. But you're gonna see you're gonna see Wood react to it. You're gonna see him not like it. You're gonna see him look to engage a little bit more with his wrestling. If Casey Kinney's able to shut that down, I see him prevailing with the win. It's the minus one ninety that I don't like. So I think people are looking at taking a shot at an underdog. They see one sixty five. This actually is gonna be a close fight. I think Kinney wins the decision, but it's gonna be a close fight. But that's why there that's why you, there's probably some money rolling in Wood. I actually do agree with that. However, my pick is gonna be Casey Kinney. And uh I think you go with him by decision. There's such a track record of him by decisions. He's going to dust one of these fools eventually. Maybe mm-hmm. Wood's the guy, but I, but I think that you look to improve that price and you take him by decision. Haile Alatang's organs would have been mince meat. would have been beef stew, you know? And, and he, he stood there. He took him. That guy's super durability tough. personified super watching tough, that super fight. Tough. Like, how the hell do you Can Wood that? go through that kind of beating no. and come out on the other I side? So. I don't know. I don't think very, very few people could probably take that many kicks to the gut and come out to the other side. But... There, there is a track record in Casey Kinney in that he's legitimately only knocked out one of his 15 wins, and mm-hmm. one was a cut stoppage. So it could happen. It's MMA, but logic would dictate Interesting fight from DraftKings when we get to that is that, I mean, the amount of volume that these guys can throw, they're obviously in play. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on to the next one. We've got Alex Cowboy Oliveira taking on Shavkat Rachmanov. Uh, basically a straight pick. Um, ever so slight favorite is Alex Cowboy Oliveira, minus 115, minus 105, Rachmanov. Um, this line has been moving. I think Shakma, uh, Rachmanov was like plus 145 
earlier in the week, and people, you know, they're they're taking the Cody Saftic uh, strategy of if, if it ends in OV, if it's good enough for me, which shocks me that you're picking against the goat know, Habib Nurmagomedov, uh, who lured also into the price, lured into the price. Uh, well, you better. We'll see. Your your upper lip is going to be bare in uh, in a few days there, bud. Um, I don't know. I watched a little bit of Shakvat Rachmanov, and I know he's got like all these first round, like first and second round finishes. I'm not that all impressed with what I've seen so far on tape. Uh, I've got a little bit more to watch, but uh, where's your, where's your head at on, on this one? Yeah, okay. So he's a 100 percent finisher. He's finished all of his wins, and that where I'm a little bit weary is that like Alex Oliveira is no slouch by no means. He's got a lot of fights in the UFC. He's fought very high caliber guys. If you don't go out there and get the finish on him, like what's going to happen? Also, he's 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 been going to his wrestling a lot more. Cowboy Oliveira, and he's a big guy. Get get a hold of them, grind on them, use your strength, try to grapple them, win the fight. Perfect. He's fighting good game plans. Don't mind it. With Rachmanov, it's like he's going out there to get the kill, right? It's two different styles. Once you come to the UFC, you usually have to adapt your style because you're not going to go get the kill every time out. But I like without of him is that he's got a killer instinct. Now, he got, I believe it was this uh, Faradun Odalov fight, Battle of the Nomads 10. He gets fucking dropped hard, man. But he perseveres. He comes back through and he just never, he just never stops. He keeps going. He keeps going. That's going to be a wicked bad problem for Cowboy Oliveira, who is looking these days like he's like a, about one round into him. Now, I don't blame the guy. he got seven kids. I could not imagine having seven kids and attempting to do anything, let alone train for a professional fight. But not looking good. Not looking good. Sure, it's Gunnar Nelson. Sure, it's Mike Perry. Sure, it's Nicholas Dalby. But he gets back on track with Max Griffin and Peter Sabata, but he doesn't. He's not looking good. His cardio is not great. Those are good, favorable matchups for him. It's not there. His striking used to be pretty dynamic. He had the spinning wheel kick. He had big shots in his hands. He used to be able to, at 155, huge. Yeah. Huge. 170, 170, he just doesn't have that that physicality. So maybe he's trying to get to his grappling, but Rachmano's hard to take down. Mm -hmm. Beyond taking him down, he's kind of hard to hold down. So now, if Alex Oliveira comes out there and struggles for a round or two, Rachmano's going to eat him up. He's going to eat him up down the stretch. And uh, Rachmano is supposed to good, debut. Better live betting opportunity here. Definitely, definitely a better live betting opportunity. But they they signed Rachmanov to fight on. It was that ESPN twenty nine. It was in Kazakhstan. Remember that. Mm-hmm. Anyways, it's it's fuck, seven months ago, right? So he signed to the UFC. He knows he's getting his debut. Yeah, we can talk about he hasn't fought in sixteen months. Fair. That's a problem. But he's known he's having his UFC debut. He's training. He's in camp perfect. He's going to take on Bartos Fabinski. Damn. Talk about a guy that's only going to look to take him down. But the event gets canceled due to coronavirus. Then he's supposed to take on Ramazan Amiv. The fight gets canceled. Then on this card, he's taking on Aleski Zale- or, um, Eliza Zaleski, Zaleski Dos Santos. Yeah, mouthful. Of course. Jigs. Uh, it's, like, it's like, God damn. They're not giving him no easy fights. Bartos, Ramazan Amiv, and Zaleski Dos Santos. The fuck? They got faith in this kid. And this kid's accepting these fights because he likes it. He's only 25 years old. He's eager. He wants to get at it. Alex Oliveira has cardio issues on a good day. Yeah. Him coming in on short notice replacing Zaleski, he's got one round in him. He's got to go out there and put up Rachmanov in the first. So Rachmanov takes him. It was 145, and it was a no-brainer. Now it's a pick em, and it is a pick em fight. It's a pick em fight that if it's heads or tails, and you tell me tails pays 145, I'm going to take tails. Sure. But but now you're actually paying 50-50 both sides. So listen, it's going to be a greaser, but I've got Shaft. I'll be watching this one closely after what you just kind of said there. Yeah, and for $7,300 on DK, like... get in. Uh, 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 
if, DK play. <laughs> if he survives the early onslaught from uh, Cowboy. Yeah, he's got a 100% finish ratio, and he's $7,300 on DK. Okay, we got Daung Jung taking on Sam Alvey. Daung Jung plus, or minus 345 favorite, plus 285 for Smiling Sam. Sam, Smile and Sam's on what, like a four-fight losing streak at this point? Yeah. Up at 205, I mean, the guy is just completely outsized. He's six foot two to Dong Jung, like six foot four, much thicker, bigger yeah. frame. Uh, and we've seen the historic, legendary uh, durability of Sam Alvey kind of started to go to the wayside as well. This was actually on, like, best fight odds. This was one of the... You can you can set up, like, notifications mm-hmm. for when, like, lines get released. And this was one of the ones that I set it up for. And they opened it at minus 600. And I was just like, who's telling you? Man. Who's telling you where my mind's at? Because I wanted Man. to fade Smile and Sam, but minus, two, minus 600 was just kind of absurd. Um, the price has come down quite a bit. Obviously, it's a wide, wide uh, number. But I actually think Dong Jung, from what we've seen from him, this guy looks like he's uh, he's got potential. I don't know if it's like uh, world championship uh, potential. I'm not saying that, but I think he's got uh, – you know, the ceiling is definitely a lot higher than what we see from Sam Alvey. I think he rolls here. Um, I, I guess the big issue is we don't really know about his – about his gas tank, um, how, if we go really We can deep. speculate. We can speculate that Kadis Abragumov put the fucking works to him, and it's Kadis Abragumov. But he, he, he pushed one hell of a pace that, like, if you didn't have good cardio, you wouldn't have styled on him in the later rounds. Mm-hmm. But I know, I know what you're saying. He's a little unproven, two fights in the but UFC. But Sam just backs up to the cage. He tries to land one singular punch. That's what he's done for ages. Mm-hmm. And at 205, mm-hmm. that power doesn't transfer like it used to. So Daong Jung wins. Um, probably... Uh, the problem with this is that minus 345, kind of unproven. Uh, I did like his last fight, like the slip one, two. We're talking about like, what, a couple weeks ago? Who That was against John Phillips? Uh-huh. Who was Dong Jung's last fight? I can't remember off the top of my head right now. Dong Jung, he beat Kaisa Bragamov and then he beat Barrio? Was it? Well, was Mark Andre Barrio. It was yeah. the first round finish. And yeah, it was yeah. a nice one. No, two. no, sorry. Mike Mike Rodriguez. He dropped. What? I was thinking of. Uh, oh, sorry. It was that fight. Week. Sorry. Yeah. I was... yeah, he dropped. Drives Mark Rodriguez. But uh, his one two there, it was, it, was, it was actually quite nice how he set it up. I, I, th- I think the guy's got real potential. Minus 345 is the price is big. And the problem is, like, trying to bet, like, a knockout prop here is just, like, Sam Alvey's chin, historically, pretty legendary. So I don't know if the value's there on that as well. But I think he rolls here. I just can't in good faith put any money on Sam Alvey at this point. I think he's cooked. Yeah, well, see, that's exactly it. So if you knew Sam Alvey personally, there was a time where you would take your kids over to his house and be like, oh, I'll go see Uncle Sam. I'll go. Uncle Sam, I know. And he plays with the kids. are great. And now, now you would have to introduce the kids. This is 205, Uncle Sam. And it's just a different guy, man. All of the weapons that he had as a middleweight are just off the table. He's really hard to take down. Like, his wrestling is not very good offensively. But defensively, man, maybe it's because he backs up to the cage. Maybe it's all the time he spent at Team Quest and Dan Henderson's ultimate training facility. Maybe it's all these different things. The bottom line is he is tough to take down. And he's furthermore very tough to hold down. His power, sweet power. His chin, cast iron. But that was all at 185. Mind you, and this is important to note, Sam Alvey was on the Ultimate Fighter once upon a time at 170 pounds. Okay? Mm-hmm. Comes to the UFC, 
fills out to 185, decent size 185er. Big, big power. But Paul, time and time again, you and I sit here and we talk about Sam Alvey relies so much on the power, he does not throw punches. He will not let his hands go. This is incredible because Sam Alvey's had 18 fights in the UFC. The most in his UFC debut, he landed 82 significant strikes against Tom Watson, okay? In 17 fights since then, the highest he's ever scored was 57. 57 significant, no, 63 against Alex Nicholson. Now he's fought Kevin Casey and Eric Spicely and Alex Nicholson and Nate Marquardt and Talis Latis and Rashad Evans and Ramazanami, and they're all going to decision. But he never lands more than 50, 60 significant strikes. That's his problem. He never lets his hands go. There's not enough output. In the Ryan Spann fight, he lasts long enough to make it interesting in the third round when Spann gassed out. But that's kind of all he's got right now is he's got to rely on you gassing out. As far as 205-pound Sam Alvey goes, by the way, as you mentioned, he's lost his last four. He actually won his first two in the division, so he's 2-4 and four at 205. But he beats Marcin Prakia, runs right into the punch. That's his only knockout at 205 pounds. That one where the man ran straight into the KO blow twice. Mm-hmm. Second one really put him out. Then, then he's a squeaker of a split decision over Jean Vellante, where he doesn't let his hands go, but scored a couple knockdowns. Otherwise, he got outworked severely. And then Noguera, of all people, knocks him out. Jimmy Crew, 22 years old, knocks him out. Cletson Abreu just holds him and beats him up, and Ryan Spann beats him up. That's all at 205. His best days are long gone behind him. How does he match up in this particularly spot? Bat. Okay, so as we talked about, he fought at 170 once upon a time. Dong Jung was fighting at 225 prior to coming to the UFC. He routinely fought in these open weight contests in, in Korea and Japan. The guy's a big guy, six foot four. He's only 26 years old, Paul. He's filling out that frame and he's getting better. And you see him in the UFC. His debut against Klitsch, or his, his debut against Ibrahimov, sorry. Man, is it ever sloppy early. But beyond that, it just it shows this guy's improving me. He lasts. He takes all those shots. It looks like he's hurt. It looks like he's severely hurt. It looks like he's tired. But he perseveres. Good gut check performance. Now, I'm with Mike Rodriguez. Mike Rodriguez, on paper, is a way better striker than Dong Jung, but he clips him with that right hand. And you know what? You can't take much from that fight because it happened. It was a minute. Whatever. He catches him. But you see the power. You see that he's working on his grappling. You see that he's improving altogether. You see stuff from him online. Great shape. Good size for the division. Why would the UFC bring in an Owen four-fight losing streak Sam Alvey on relatively short notice to put a little shine on a prospect. Yeah, I think that they I, can... I think Dong Jung's a marketable guy, being that he's Korean. You'd love to have more fighters from that part of the world because you know you're, you're trying to have marketable stars in every continent, really. Uh, beyond that, again, as I talked about, 26 trains and a Korean top team, a very very good gym. He's just probably where like fan events is going to open up again first after <sighs> after we get through all. Of yeah, this. and with and with Sam, no offense to him, but like it's it's too much sit with his back against the cage. With his hands up, smiling, looking to counterpunch. It's just too much of that. If the power translates to 205, maybe he lands a counter right or a counter left and knocks out Jung. Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. Could be. It's MMA, of course. But, like, I'm not, I'm not banking on that. Dong Jung's two pro losses, uh, he got key locked by Roque Martinez, who's a now a 265-pound heavyweight, and Jun Su Lim beat him by majority decision five years ago. Never been knocked out. I don't know that I can just bet on Sam Alvey to land a counterpunch that he doesn't even throw. So, yeah, yeah. I, I, I know my boy Clint's on Sam Alvey, and I think if it opened up at 600 and you got a very big price on Alvey, then by all means, I think people were getting him at minus 310, minus 320. He's down to 285 now, but, like, I can't. I can't in good conscience go with Sam Alvey. you got to be shot for Alvey to beat you. You look at his wins, they're over shot fighters. Um, Dong Jung is certainly not a shot fighter, and I think this will be his coming out party, actually. 
All right, we move on down the card. We got Miranda Maverick taking our the biggest favorite on the card. Oh my god, uh, minus four thirty favorite against Liana Jajua plus three forty five. Jajua looks pretty awful in her last fight. Obviously, she gets the submission win against Diana Velpita. <laughs> that fight was I rewatched that to like uh, kind of make sense of. This why Balbina took her down? No, of like why Maverick was such a is such a big favorite here. Oh, okay. I mean, Joshua looks horrible. Most of that fight takes up uh, takes place against the cage. The one thing she is good at, and Balbita, I don't know what she was thinking. Like, let's get into no, let's get push this up to against the cage. <laughs> get this fight thinking. to the ground. Once the fight went to the ground, that's the way Joshua wins fights is by submission. That's yeah. what you go through her entire record. It's just like she she wins by submission. Yeah. I mean, she doesn't look very strong. The technique isn't anything remarkable. It was enough to get her through that last fight. Uh, Miranda Marav- Maverick never been submitted in her career, but I'm not gonna lie, man. Like watching her versus Pro Gonzalez, I was like. Not getting in on a minus 430 favorite in this spot. The only thing I could even consider, and I haven't bet it yet, would be uh, Joshua by, su- by submission round one I see out there for 14 to 1. Just for, wow. the, for the brand. Wow. For the brand kind of. Sure. But sure. Uh, I haven't played it yet. Uh, maybe you can talk me off the ledge. But uh, I, that would be a small little punt, if anything. But otherwise, I really don't want any part of this. Because I think Joshua's pretty awful and doesn't really belong at the top level. And uh, Maverick didn't really show me anything from the fights that I've watched um, to make me think that she should be a minus 500 favorite at the top level. Yeah, well, honestly, I completely agree with her being the favorite. I just I have my reluctancy to put minus 4-3 in her as well. Because, yeah, she's 23 years old. She's making her UFC debut. Uh, it's kind of one of those spots where it's like you could see things going wrong. You could see the armbar from guard repeating itself you could just see a bad transition that leads to a back taker submission yeah a lot of a lot of bad variables for a young fighter making her debut but maverick seems to have the skill advantage almost everywhere maybe except for maybe not that pure grappling but she's a much better wrestler than joshua is she's a much better striker than joshua is she goes in there with a good game plan of just keeping this fight standing and boxing her up she's gonna defeat her it's whether she goes out there and gets antsy takes her down plays some of the guard work and gets caught with something that's gonna be the problem maverick again 23 years old loses to deanna bennett and this is her last loss but she loses deanna bennett's like a year and a half ago right then she enters that invicta one night tournament where she wins the one night tournament she beats victoria leonardo in the first round she beats shana young in the second round in the third round one night tournament fights deanna bennett again the last girl that beat her the ultimate fighter veteran the invicta veteran former world champion Girl that's older in her career, very savvy veteran, good wrestler. And she chokes her out, third round, takes her into deep waters, chokes her out. One night tournament. Here's a 22-year-old girl competing three times in one night. Man, you're seeing the the evolution. You're seeing the development. You're seeing the growth. Then the Pearl Gonzalez fight, yeah, not exactly a great fight. But it's five rounds. You've seen the cardio go through as well. Meanwhile, with Joshua, Joshua's kind of a half-fraud, right? I would say half-fraud. She pulls off this big upset over Marina Makatina. For Finance Global, it, Marina ends up signing to Bellator and is just no good. That was a majority decision, bad fight, not, not anything that you can hold. So it's like, okay, she's got no notable wins. Okay, fight Sarah Moross, UFC debut. She's up to 135. I get it. Not really in her natural weight class. 
She had been fighting at 135, but she got controlled by Sarah Moros. She got outgrabbled by Moros, and then Moros eventually TKO'd her on the ground, Paul. Mm-hmm. That's a very bad sign. Sarah Moros not one to TKO people, but absolutely just takes her down and has her way. Joshua's only path is the submission yeah. off her back. That's the only way she wins. If you're not pulling it off against Sarah Moros or looking competitive against Sarah Moros, it's a problem. But you know what? It's 135. Let's drop it down to 125. Balbita threw one punch, landed one punch, and it was a hell of a punch. And then for whatever reason, just dragged just, Joshua to the ground and got submitted. If Maverick doesn't her up against do the that, cage and just it was like, a bad move. The, the announcers were even move. saying, they're like, "What? I feel like she should probably hang out at range. Like, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if her corner's like yelling at her. I know that she's uh, strained yeah, by... Yeah, yeah, uh, Krillin. Yeah, Krillin. I don't know what the game plan was in that you should have had a striking advantage on her, but as soon as she went in there, she went into grappling mode. With mm-hmm. Miranda Maverick, I think she can keep this in striking mode and just beat Joshua standing. If she needs to take the fight to the ground, she can. If she needs to use her wrestling to keep the fight standing, she can. She, she should be able to dictate where the fight takes place. It's just I'm always worried about these. I talked to you. Sub 25 year old prospect, especially UFC debut. They just go into on. tunnel vision mode and all of a sudden they end up on the ground and armor yeah, from Because it's like, oh shit, whenever I face adversity in the gym, I just go to my wrestling, right? I, I just go to this one thing that I do well. Whereas mm-hmm. like Joshua is like, ah, she's fought in Russia against Sambo champions. She's got a good armbar as well. She's got good grappling. She's going to have a little bit of a size advantage. She's, you know, further along in her career development wise. Uh, where are they headed in their careers? Yeah, Mara- Ma- Maverick's going up. Maverick could be a title challenger someday. She's only 23. She needs these spots to improve and get better. Show us what she's got. Whereas, like, Joshua's like, if Joshua wins this one, you're, you're almost guaranteed to fade her in her next fight. Like, I don't know that she's a factor in this division at any point. But no. I got Maverick. It's just, yeah, 230. It's like you're betting, you're betting someone who should be good down the road. But, like, what about right now? Because right, I'm betting it right now. So. Is she winning eighty like eighty five percent of the time? It's wins MMA. Probably. Does, any, does anybody win eighty percent of the time? <laughs> no. No, no, no. Yeah, it's no, it's a risky don't. proposition trying to lay that number. Maybe a Mar- Miranda Mar- Mar- ah, Miranda Maverick. That's a mouthful for me to say. Um, maybe her inside the di- like Joshua is legit awful, but. It's kind of more of like a brand. I'll end up with a little Skrilla. Joshua's low key hot. I'll though. end up with a little Skrilla on Joshua first round, uh, first round sub. Yeah, yeah, fair. You, you want to talk about props? Let's talk about this next one. Uh, Joel Alvarez takes on Alexander Yakovlev minus one fifty five. Alvarez plus one thirty five. I like props. Tell me about the prop. Okay, so low key, I think I'm going to take the dog here and go with Alexander Yakovlev. Okay, um, we'll talk about that. This isn't the a rap prop battle. will be now. I know if it was, I would surely take Alvarez. <laughs> Free money. <laughs> yeah, Yakovlev, the rapper. Thunder from down under. Here, here's another one for you. Uh, Thunder of the North. Right, right. What What do you think his name is? What do you think his actual name is? Alexander Yakovlev. He has a different name? I know, I know. His actual name is Sultan Takayev. What? <laughs> and I'm fucked up. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what do you know about this guy? Apparently nothing. Um, Alexander Yakovlev is he's going to have a big wrestling advantage here. When you look at Alvarez, he, ca- he cannot wrestle. He cannot wrestle at all. Comes to the UFC. <clears throat> he's got a very unproven record as far as the regional scene goes. I just want to talk about the Demir Ishmagula fight. So now you're taking on Demir. You probably can't take him down even if you wanted to, but he attempts zero takedowns. Here's a guy who's a Spanish BJJ champion. He's got 100% finish ratio, loves the submissions, never attempts one single takedown against Ishmagulov. His striking, very robotic, very green in development, but no good. Ishmagulov cruises on a 30-27, great. The fight with Danilo Beluardo. Here's somebody, an Italian wrestler, shouldn't be in the UFC, not any good. He takes him down in the first round, and he controls him very easily. I mean, here we got Joel Alvarez's submission ace, not doing anything off his back. No submissions off his back. His takedown defense, no good. 
25 seconds left in the first round. Alvarez throws up his hips, throws into a triangle, looks like he's working with the sequence. Maybe if there was more time, great. But Beloardo is gassed, man. He should not be in the UFC to begin with. He's a very low-level talent. He's gassed after five minutes. In the second round, he comes out gassed. Alvarez pounces on him with the strikes, which is good to see. And Beloardo just literally falls into a takedown again. Takes a, the takedown defense does not check out. The Joe Duffy fight, Joe Duffy takes him down is the reason why he got caught in the guillotine choke, right? He shoots himself into the double leg. But again, Alvarez not even really trying to fight these takedowns. And why Joe Duffy, the pro boxer, with a significant striking advantage, decided to shoot his neck into a double leg just remains one of life's great mysteries. I don't fucking know, but he did. With Alexander Kovlov, his problem is he throws something like two, two significant strikes per minute. Like, it's, it's so low. So honestly, Joel Alvarez is not a good striker, but you see improvements. He's a little better from the Ishmael Gulo fight to the Bellawato fight. He's a little bit better from the Bellawato fight for the Joe Duffy fight. He's only 27. He'll look better from the Joe Duffy fight. He needs to keep this fight standing and strike. Now, he'd love to get on top of Yakovlev, but he doesn't shoot takedowns. Mm-hmm. And Yakovlev is a much better wrestler. But what I do think is Yakovlev is going to take him down. And whereas this guy's so good with his grappling, not off his back. He doesn't got great submissions off his back. You also factor in Yakovlev fought at 170 pounds, fucking went the distance with Damian Maya, you know? Went mm-hmm. the distance with Kamaru Usman. Did get submitted by Zach Cummings. But come on, Zach Cummings is huge, man. He used to fight at 205, he used to fight at 185, back fighting at 185. At 170 is a big boy. He was monster. Yakovlev at 170. drops down from 170 to 55. And now he's 1-1 one one at 55, but he has not looked bad, Paul. So he gets the win over Alex Da Silva. He lost the first round. He got his guillotine in the second round. The Roosevelt Roberts fight, he's about a hair away from winning that fight. Does he not get swept in the third round and get on a botched takedown? He wins that fight. It's 1-1 one, one going into the third. Roosevelt Roberts hits him with some good punches, but Yakovlev perseveres. Yakovlev scores takedowns. Yakovlev grinds on him. I'm worried he's 36. So what's the problem? Okay, the prop is not Yakovlev. The prop is Joel Alvarez. (laughs) I know, I know, (laughs) I know, I know. It's a crazy turn of events. Joel Alvarez by decision is 9-1. to Now, shout out to my boy Ryan Donnelly, because him and I were talking about this. He likes it as well. But just think about this, right? So Joel Alvarez has got a 100% finish ratio. That's why you're getting this baked in. We talked about it last week with Jillian Robertson. Jillian Robertson had almost all finishes, right? She's a finishing fighter. We talked about the Corny Casey fight. Fuck, that should have gone to decision. She's not above going to decision. She could. The higher level of competition you fight, the more likelihood it's going to go to decision, right? Yeah, they don't have the same holes in the game that you can exploit to get the finish. Uh, of course, of course. It's just there's more propensity that it, that it could go to decision. So Alvarez has just dusted so many cans on the regional scene that he's got this really nice finish ratio. Now he comes to the UFC. His fight with Ish- Ishmagulov, it went to decision. And you know what? He didn't do shit. There was no finishing instinct. There was no do or die. There was no he has to finish or he loses. It's just he had fought a lot of cans. Now, the Beluardo fight, well, he's a fucking can, so he just fell into the finish. Fine, that's fine. The Joe Duffy fight, Joe Duffy shoots his neck into the guillotine. Shit, it's a mistake by Duffy that leads to the win. Now, Yakovlev. Yakovlev's not a good striker. If this fight just stays standing, I think the improvements that Joel Alvarez would have made is enough for him to just outpoint him standing. But he's not knocking out Alexander Yakovlev. And as far as him taking down Alexander Kovlov, he's not going to take down Alexander Kovlov. So he's not submitting him. So it's, it's going to go to decision. If it goes to decision and Joel Alvarez keeps his fight standing, he's going to win the decision. It's 9-1 mm-hmm. to one on the fair. basis of he's just finished so many guys in the past. But in my mind, Yakovlev, don't keep this a striking affair. Go pursue the takedowns. Take this guy down. You know, if you can hang with Damien, you can hang with better guys than this. At 155, by the way... Uh, Alexander Yakova is fucking six foot three. They man. opened like, this at, at like minus two eighty five, and it got steamed. 
Yeah, well, like you now understand it's closer why. to a pick'em, and then when we uh, we might as well just get into the DraftKings breakdown right now. So when you uh, when you look at the board there, um, this is from yeah, like that's the why that's why Alvarez sticks out like a sore thumb is that they made this pricing. Um, as he was like an opener of like a minus 285 favorite. So he kind of made sense where he was. Now he's like the odds, you know, the worst odds value on the card, which maybe turns it into Yakovlev being a, a trendy dog pick on it. Um, actually, from the time that we made the board to uh, like during this episode, they actually released a price for Laura Murphy, who slots in at 8,800 um, in between Ankaliyev and Casey. So nobody's going to own Lauren Murphy. But let's go through the card. Uh, make sure to check out Brett Apley's video on Friday afternoons. Um, that'll drop, and he kind of goes through, gives you a couple picks, and gives you a dog play. Um, Brett's a solid guy in this game. Always has, um, you know, definitely kind of thinks about the uh, DK game a little bit more intensely than me and you do. We're more of uh, betting betting picks and uh and odds type kind of guys ourselves. But, yeah, check out that video. It'll drop on Mayo Media Network on a Friday afternoon. Our boy Matt Best usually does the editing for that. Um, let's go through it, though. Dong Jung, Sam Alvey. Sam Alvey. Yeah, His durability well, I, is kind of too good historically, but at 205 we kind of worry about what he can do. Um, yeah, straight up, man. Honestly, this week I'm looking for more of those mid-range guys. You look at the most expensive guy, Dong Jung. With Sam Alvey, loves to slow down the pace and loves to have, a, yeah, his durability. That's what's going to cost you on a $9,400 yeah, play. you need the first-round finish, and Alvey historically just doesn't get Miranda Maverick absolutely could go out there in style. Absolutely. But there is that big question mark factor of, like, well, what if she doesn't? You know, what if what if, what if if this becomes a grinding fight? What if it's just lower? What if it's only striking? Is she going to go land 100 strike? No, she's not. I don't really love that 9,300. I really don't. Habib 9,200 makes a ton of sense because he's five rounds. He's going to get takedowns. He's the GOAT. But just keep in mind, they don't score fucking strikes on the ground anymore. They, they just don't. I don't know what. I don't know what happened to fight metric. They don't score it no more. It's significant strikes. So you're getting screwed on DK from this ground and pound. Khabib getting takedowns, but if he he's gets not a lot of points, transitions. He's though. not getting points on ground and pound, man. He's not a great pick. Whereas yeah, Gaethje is 7,000. He moves around, he transitions. There's lots of takedowns, fighting to get back up. Phil Haas is a straight up finisher. If he can finish you, he will finish you. That's because he knows if he doesn't finish you, he's going to get finished himself. And, and I think there's a lot of there's a lot of back and forth that could happen in that one. With Malcunis, he's undefeated. You haven't seen him get rocked. You haven't seen him get submitted. You haven't seen him in bad spots. So it's a lot of like, what if if you take Haas? I don't love Haas. Joel Alvarez, we just mentioned. If this is just stand up he, he's gonna land like 50 significant strikes it won't be enough mm-hmm. he's, he's not a wrestler and he's not going to take down he's effectively scored zero t- he's not even attempted one takedown in three ufc fights he's not taking down yakovlev and if he doesn't submit yakovlev on a botched takedown or something he's gonna score low magman and Kalaev, i fucking love 8,900, hopefully he's lower ownership than all those higher-priced people be. behind him. He will not be. And he whereas will, whereas I would, I would him apply... Him and Habib will be the most owned people on the I would start. apply the same reasoning I did the, the Khabib fight. Well, they're not going to score ground transitions. It's like, man, he's fighting Ian Kudalaba. Like, believe me, it's probably not going to decision. Casey Kinney, over 100 significant strikes, maybe a takedown or two, maybe a couple uh, scrambles that create a couple points, great. But the over 100 significant strikes, I like Casey Kinney. Uh, Alexander Volkov... 
you know, if Walt Harris tips over after two or three rounds and Volkov can land 100 significant strikes, he's, he's a good player The number well. of strikes that Volkov lands per fight is, is super high. Alex Oliveira has typically been good on DK rosters. I don't like him in this spot. No. I will not be taking him. Uh, obviously, oh, Joel Alvarez. That's a yeah, yeah, all good. Obviously, people know. I'll, if this was what it was, I'd take two of us. Okay. It's uh, Stefan Struve versus. Uh, I, know. I mean, we don't even have to talk about because I was going to probably fix that. But, yeah, it's uh, all. It doesn't even Now matter. they know. Now they know. It originally said Joel Alvarez. But yeah, no, Stefan Struve versus Tai Tuivasa. Again, I'm obviously on Team Tai Tuivasa. I think that's huge value. $7,900 if he's going to win. First or second round KO. Jared Cannonier, $8,200. Lock it in. Yeah, Cannonier, you know, you'd wish he'd have a little more than three rounds to, to work with, but he's only $8,200. It's a great deal. Laura Murphy, we got the value on her now. It's $8,800. 8874 yeah. Yeah, so she's just out of my price range, too expensive. I think that uh, if Shakarova stays at the outside, then she's going to cause Lauren Murphy to have to chase her down. If Lauren Murphy's not getting a bunch of takedowns, and I, I don't know, like Lauren Murphy's just kind of a generalist. She doesn't do anything one thing exceptional. She's really tough. Tough doesn't always get you 88 points, which is what you'd want at least if you're paying 8,800. So I, I'm actually going to hit a hard pass on Lauren Murphy. As far as value, guys, that you, you want to kind of save it for you, uh, yeah, we talked about it. You got Tai Tuivas, $7,900. Rachmanov, $7,700. You know, I myself fancy, fancy Justin Gaethje seven thousand. I could see you taking Walt Harris as a pun play type guy at seventy six hundred, and you know I don't like Kudalaba myself, but again, he he's quite literally the definition of punt play type guy because he will go for it. So there's a lot of spots that you can save money to get these higher up guys, and I don't even love the higher up guys. So I think constructing uh, rosters this week should be should be fairly straightforward. Except you should have Habib because. Well, that's very possible. But you'll you'll have a habeard. Um, I might have a habeard come next Wednesday. Come so next we'll Wednesday. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts? Before I'll, we get yeah, out? I'll hit them with the Pogirov parlay, and then I got to get out of here. We're, I, I'm, I got a feeling we've ran long again, as we usually do. And I get talking with you, and, and we get we having talk a good like time. Twenty-five yeah, minutes I, about Habib. I don't know if people think these shows are too long or not, but you could always. Nobody seems to complain about that. Yeah, yeah, it is what it is. So I'm going to take Justin Gaethje, underdog number one, carrying near as even money. I'm going to go Volkov. I'm going to go Phil Haas. I'm going to take Lauren Murphy. But again, that if there is a pass on the card, that's it. I'm taking Nikolaev. I'm taking Tai Tuivasa. That'll technically speak and be dog number two. Casey Kinney. Uh, Rachmanov, technically dog number three. Again, these were all way better earlier on in the week. Daung Jung, Miranda Maverick. And I'm going to take Alexander Yakovlev plus 135. However... I can I I really do think that that Joel Alvarez if Joel Alvarez is going to win this fight, everyone's natural assumption is well he'll fall on a submission. I think if he wins this fight, he's actually going to box him up standing, win a decision. Nine to one, Nine very to one. tempting. But if that wrestling prevails for Yakovlev and he just takes him down and holds him down, you know, he he's Russian. Like that he's Russian. Here's but he's my not, take he's on, not on you with this prop. You know, I don't like Moscow. that you're kind of split. On he's from it. well, I'll tell you why. Okay. He's from Moscow. If you're from Moscow or you're from Sochi, yeah, from Dagestan, you're from Chechnya, yeah. It's the difference between being from the city and being it's from the country. It's an ev and not an of. But you're fading the freaking goat at the top of the damn card. Yeah, on, I know. Cody. Listen, every dog has his day, man, and Nurmagomedov's just been at the top of the mountain for so long. 12 fights, 12 fights in eight years in the UFC. Injury problems, weight cut problems. Uh, when he shows up, he's always got good stylistical matchups, 
everybody's got their ball. You've always had his. Your, I'll, I'll give you that. You've always had Khabib's balls in your mouth. I was trying to buy but after merch he beat of McGregor, his. Like, after he beat, long oh, yeah, before yeah. Habib merch even existed. Listen, I was at the Las Vegas fight shop like eight years ago trying to buy a Habib shirt, and they're like, who? It, no, nobody can, pl- can, can claim that you jumped on the bandwagon. Right. Sir, I've known from the start you're driving the bandwagon. You're Khabib 100%, and I really like that you're sticking with your guy here and taking him till the end. But uh, yeah, as I mentioned, it's just been it's it's been a long time. Like crazy things happen. It's a crazy sport. Gaethje, I think, is the best guy he's fought. Poirier is a good fighter as well. Mentally, wasn't quite there. If Gaethje just goes out and does what he's capable of doing, he makes it dicey. Really look for that low calf kick. I think that's going to be the difference maker. Anyways, what I got? I got three. I got four underdogs on the card. Two of them are kind of even money, but I think it's going to be a fun card. A lot of value. A lot of good spots. We'll talk about props if you want to hit me up on Twitter and shit. But. Uh, Yeah, it'll be fun either way, my man. That is it for us this week. Hope you enjoyed the show. For Cody Saftik and our producer, Matt Best, I'm Paul Shaughnessy saying goodbye and good luck. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.